Hey, y'all. It's Wednesday night, and you know what that means. It's live from the armory. Now, normally, you'd be hearing Bunkhouse Bob say all this, but Bob's on hiatus this week. He's gone down to somewhere in Louisiana where they've got alligators in the lobby. Don't ask. Um, But I'm doing the hosting this week. We're going to have a fun time. And with me uh, this evening is my good friend, and I know he's your good friend too, Mr. George Coles. George. Hear me? George Buddy, are you there? I'm here. I, I just want to ask something. Where's my acronym? You've got lovely Laura. Bob's got Bunkhouse Bob. Where's mine? You make somebody a guest co-host, folks, and this is what happens. Um, Bob didn't give Terry Houston one. He didn't need one. Well, he's Terry Essing Houston. He's a legend. Everybody knows Terry. Well, this is true. Terry Effin Houston is a legend. Uh, folks, if you're joining us um, right now, uh, we're missing a co-host. It's Bob. He's on hiatus. He's not working, uh, or so he says. Um, if you guys have an idea for uh, George, uh, an acronym, so you know, in case he needs to come back on the show, because I'm sure Bob will take off some other time, um, give us a call. Our number here is 213-816-1605. Um, George, while I'm talking about the number, I'm going to give out our social media pertinence. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at From the Armory. Now, tonight, George is going to be tweeting live tweeting from his uh, Twitter account, at Heel Heat Show. It's kind of hard to do when you are running the board and everything else is kind of hard to tweet. So I asked George, who's a sweetie, who's going to do that for me. Um, we're on Facebook as well. I usually give out this information because Bob never knows it. It is facebook.com backslash live dot armory dot nine. And... Um, once again, our studio line is 213-816-1605. Press 1 if you'd like to talk to us. And um, Bob, looks like Bob, I'm so sorry, George. That's <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sure that, hey, hey, it's just like I'm sure that Bobby Eaton called Stan Lane Dennis a few times. Oh, I bet he did. I bet he did. But, you know, it's all good. I do have a call here. I think I know who it is. Let me uh, see who this is. Um, 864, you're on live with uh, live from the Armory with uh, George and Laura. Who's this? Uh, come on, it's Mr. Sleeves. I'm making my weekly appearance here, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I knew. I knew it was you. <laughs> i got to so, um, make at least one appearance. You know, we're always glad that you do. I mean, it wouldn't be the show without you, right? Oh, I know. Come on. A show without sleeves in it? Uh, I think I think George's uh, moniker should be George Puts Over the Indies. Yeah. I, I like that. Ooh, I like that, too. And, you know, heck, maybe, you know, you could do a little spinoff of Hill Heat. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I think I think I might get copyrighted for anything from Caleb and Zane now. That's a little bit too much like their show. Hey, I'm just saying, um, they can't do much. They're on their way to WrestleCon. Exactly. What are they going to do? That's a good oh, and just for, Bob, cause, just for Bob, because cool. I know he's not on the air, and I know he's right. listening. Caleb Conley, Caleb Conley, Caleb Conley, Caleb Conley. 
Yes. Yes. Thank you so much, uh, Mr. Sleeves. Um, you were just, you know, saying you were going to be at WrestleForce and Caleb happened to be on the card and, and you get shot down like that. I mean, that's just that's just hating is what that is. I mean, it happens. And, I mean, you know, I had to cancel that booking, sadly. But it, it happens. I know, <laughs> um, but... I, I'm I'm gonna be on here all night listening in because I'm really excited about y'all's guest tonight. I want to hear some of his uh, stories. And I was a little remiss, folks, at the beginning of the show. I did not announce who the guest is. I'm new at this, so just bear with me. Our guest is the Tommy Thomas. In my opinion, best manager in the business today. He is with PWX. He is the talent relations coordinator, I believe that's his title, and I'm sure if it's not, he'll tell me, uh, for ISIS. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about um, worst-case scenario, and we'll talk about playing patty cake a little bit, too. So I'm sure you'll be interested in what he says about that, please. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, (laughs) y'all have a fun show, and I'll be listening in. All right, I'm just going to put you back in the queue, okay? Sounds good. Thanks, please. I love Sleaze. He's a good guy, and I, I love his show, too. His daughter's absolutely adorable. Zoe, if you think she looks cute on film, in person, she's ten times cuter. Um, yeah, Sleaze is a great guy. That, you know, He's a previous guest, calls in every week. We love him. Um, couldn't, can't say enough nice about I'm, Mr. Sleaze. The only thing I'm a little bit bummed out about is uh, he made a trip down here to Florida a couple weeks ago. And I didn't know ahead of time. I wish I would have thought that, you know, could have went out and supported him live. Oh, yeah. You know, I didn't even think about that, George, to tell you the truth, because I knew he was going down to Disney World. I just didn't even think to say, hey, you know, because I'm sure you guys probably could have met up somewhere. Well, yeah, I'm only about an hour and a half from Disney. I didn't know if he took any any bookings while he was in the area or if it was just a a family visit, but, you know. Yeah, I think it was more like... You know, uh, dress-up time for Zoe, and the pictures are too cute. Um, Bob, uh, Bob, Bob, what am I doing? (laughs) George. I was thinking about Bob. It's old and it's familiar. (laughs) It's true. It's true. But you and I, we Facebook each other a lot and talk about things, so I don't know why I'm doing that. I do apologize uh, again. Um, I'm okay. I have a brother brother named Bob and a stepdad named Bob, so I'm okay with Bob. Well, that, maybe that could be your moniker. <laughs> Bob George? Was yeah, Bob George. Was, wasn't that someone like Newhart? Didn't they have someone like that? Well, that was my name. My, my name is Daryl. My name is, this is my brother Daryl, and this is my Darryl brother. Darryl. What was, yeah, but what was oh, his God, name? Let's, let's not get talking about Daryl. We already got you going on Caleb. We get you on Daryl Dixon, we might not be able to get to our guest. May not, we may not, George, because you know between Caleb and Norman Reedus, you know. Whew. But um, once again, our studio lines are two one three eight one six sixteen zero five. If you just want to hang out and chill and you know listen, you know you don't have to do anything. Just dial the number; it'll take you right to us. You can listen. Do you want to speak to? Um, uh, me and George, you can just dial one, and it'll put you in the queue. I'll see you, get you right on the air. Or if you're home chilling, want to listen on the uh, 
internet and not have any interaction, you can go to blogtalkradio.com backslash live dash from dash the dash armory. And by the way, folks, I'm not the one that sets this up. You can thank good old Bob for that. Um, George, I wanted to address an issue that came up last week during my absence. And I didn't get to listen to the show while it was live. Had gotten to Atlanta, getting settled in. The hotel I was at had the slowest Wi-Fi known to man. It probably had some Flintstone character out back running the wheel. Um, So I could not never get the show to to load. Um, Bob's blatant hating on Caleb Conley. As everybody knows, I'm a mark for Caleb. And, yes, I said mark, George. You know how I feel about that word. Oh, I know you're strongly against it. I am strongly against it. But it fits for this. And now I'd like to say this about that. My words to the haters of Caleb Conley. Whether you like it or not, learn to love it because it's the best thing going. Yes, I quoted the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Caleb is a phenomenal athlete. He works out daily and trains other up-and-coming wrestlers weekly. He has held the PWX title for over a year now. He happened to defeat Adam Cole. Y'all know who Adam Cole is, right? What I thought. To win the belt and has defended it against the likes of Kevin Steen, Corey Hollis, and Cedric Alexander. His work as heel is money. He and Amanda Rodriguez were wonderful as heels at the last uh, PWX show at Ziggy's that I attended. He brought out Caprice Coleman to to face Cedric, and Amanda put the PWX belt in Jake Manning's face. All the while, Caleb had Jake in the O face, and she was telling him, you're never going to get this, Jake. Money. Absolute money. And he's friendly with the fans. I, along with my fellow she-wolf, Rachel, we were on his web show, Put Over the World. I'm sure if you're a Caleb Conley fan or an indie fan, you know what that is. And he's always been good to me. And as he told me on this very show, I support people who support me. And I am, fellow listeners, a Caleb Conley supporter and proud member of hashtag Team Caleb. George, I know you're a fan of Caleb, right? I I actually am. I I think he has a lot of upside potential. I think we're, we're actually just starting to see Caleb Conley in the prime of his his career. Um, he does. He has done some excellent work in in uh, PWX. Also, uh, I've seen him a few times in Dragon Gate, and also I believe I want to see say CZW, but I watch so many indies, it's hard to remember who appears where. But I've seen him other. I, I think he's best in PWX, but he's starting to spread his wings elsewhere. And I hope nothing for the best, but the best for the guy. His show is absolutely hilarious. Uh, he seems like a good, decent guy. I heard him call into this show and a, a previous show that you and Bob were both involved with, and he sound, sounded pretty down to earth. I mean, you can't go wrong with somebody like that. I think Bob's still mad that uh, his best friend, Matt Hardy, lost to Caleb. Well, didn't lose to Caleb, but didn't win the world title like Bob thought he would. 
because Matt Hardy, Schmatt Hardy, okay? Whatever. Um, Marty, where's, where's, where's the the board is on me. Yeah, the board is doing crazy things, and I do apologize, ladies and gentlemen. It is doing crazy things, and I'm sorry, Sleeve. I have no clue. The light just popped on by itself. So hey, you know, it's blog talk. What do you expect? <laughs> um, it's never, it's never bad to hear from Sleeve. No, it's never, it's never bad to hear from Sleeve. And he and I had a long talk about The Walking Dead the other day. So, and boy. Okay. Here, here um, we go again, from Caleb to Norman. I'm telling you, folks. I, I'm just, I'm just here to, to hold the, hold the line while she fawns over these guys. No. Anyway, if, if we get a Cameron Cade mentioning here, we have to trifecta. Well, I think we could all in um, at the pay window, as Dusty used to say. Yeah. Um. Why don't we? Uh, switch gears a little bit and mention Heel Heat and its many spinoffs and give us your uh, social media pertinence, George. Well, it, it basically, everything starts off with a YouTube show. And it's, uh, it's um, youtube.com backslash Heel Heat show. It's supposed to be just Heel Heat, but somebody took the name and put up one video so we couldn't take that name even though we really liked it. So we kept it as that, and it's basically that all across social media. If you go to Twitter, it's at Heel Heat Show. If you're on Facebook, I believe it's just Heel Heat on Facebook. You can look it up. Um, I know we're the only Heel Heat on Facebook. Twitter, I'm pretty sure we're the only Heel Heat Show. And uh, YouTube, we're the only Heel Heat Show on there as well because they only allow one of those. But look us up. We do a... Basically, we review all the, the television shows, WWE, TNA, Ring of Honor, uh, pay-per-view reviews, a couple different things. We do top tens. We we did it before the WWE Network started. They stole our idea. Um, we also do a thing. It's a, my homage to Mystery Science Theater 3000 without paying Vince McMahon a ton of money instead of you watching me watch the show, I review some of the worst shows in the history of wrestling, and it's called It Came From the Network. And basically, it's what it is. It's like the old creature features. I look for some bad pay-per-views, and I review them. And you can watch it at your own risk, some of them. I've actually went back. Um, which one was it? The the RoboCop one, Capital Combat? Yeah, it was staying. I went, yeah. I went back and watched it. Believe it or not, the show was a lot better than what I remembered. The RoboCop appearance tainted my view of that show so badly that I forgot there were three or four excellent tag team matches on that show. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, it, the whole, you know, RoboCop free and sting from um, <laughs> uh, that case, yeah. Case, I remember, yeah. I remember that was, I believe that was 1990, and I was 13. So I wasn't at a point where I was spending my own money for pay-per-views. I was spending my mother's money on pay-per-views. Right. And I don't think she was too happy that I didn't like that pay-per-view. And she wasted, but I believe they were only $20 or $30 at the time. But still, that was 30 hard-earned dollars. Yeah, 30 hard-earned dollars for something that I was disappointed in. But, you know, she continued to support me and 
continued to buy me pay-per-views until I could afford them on my own, which at that point I did as well. And now I got the network, so all their pay-per-views are free. Ah, yes. We'll talk about the big machine here in a little bit. Um, can't. But iPay-per-views, they, they kill me. There, there seems to be an iPay-per-view every weekend that's that's got some mind-blowing talent. Caleb, as you said, and, and I'll mention them because I, I am a fan. I'm not like Bob. I don't hate somebody just because they're pretty. Um, <laughs> Caleb, you know, he's he's on a show every weekend that's on iPay-per-view, and dang near all of them. I have to purchase because the cards are so good. He'll be on there with, you know, guys like Chris Hero, Roderick Strong, Caleb Conley, Cedric Alexander, Caprice Coleman. I mean, how can you pass up something like that? Our our, our guest tonight, the Tommy Thomas, anytime you see him as a manager, you know you're going to be entertained. So how do you pass that up for 15 bucks? You, you really can't, and I'm going to be doing that myself because every time there is a Dragon Gate or Evolve pay-per-view or even SIP, um, I get them because they're, you know, they're dirt cheap, and I can watch wrestling all weekend. So, I mean, yeah, I know what you mean. I'm going to have to get a second job to support my, you know, our pay-per-view habit. So I, I know exactly where you're coming from, George, but you do a phenomenal oh, oh. job uh, reviewing all those, <laughs> those pay-per-views on the network. And it, we do a, we've talked about it before, we both need a second job. Between the, the T-shirts and the, the iPay-per-views and all the other stuff that comes with being a wrestling fan, it's it's a lot. Being being as fanatical as we are, and, and I'll say it just like you have, I, I'm a mark as well. Um, I see something new, uh, I have to get it. Like, um like Chris Hero, when he came back to the Indies, the day he put out his new T-shirts, I had to get one because I'm such a big Chris Hero fan. Didn't much like his name as Cassius Ono, but now that he's back to Hero, it's it's back where he belongs, I believe. And I think you're right. I think, you know, I really hate the fact that uh, I missed him when he, come, when he came to PWX. Um, but I'm sure that I'll see him you know, again, sometime, and I know what you mean about this, the T-shirts, because I just bought Cliff Compton's new Kentucky Fried Chicken-inspired uh, uh, T-shirt. So, yeah, and I, the week before that, I bought a Bravado Bandwagon T-shirt, So, and I've got, you know, three Caleb shirts. So, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And, um, you know, going back to the trifecta that you mentioned uh, earlier, um, there was a situation... <laughs> George, a controversy, if you will. How'd you like that, Bob? Um, this yeah. weekend... We're going to show it all out on Bob today, huh? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, what you going to do? <laughs> I'm not sure if he is listening to it or not, but, you know, he didn't really care to, you know, drag poor Caleb through the mud last week. So, hey, you know. Um, there was a, a, a controversy, a situation involving a previous guest who happens to be a friend of mine, one Cameron Cade. This happened this past weekend. And uh, he was censored from a card because of his gear. Now, Cameron sent me pictures of the gear, and I found absolutely nothing offensive about it. No monkeys, people. I mean, I know that I go on about him and go on about him. This was just gear. It was red trunks. Um... You know, I, I'm not going to mention who the promotion was because I don't 
it's not what we do here. Um, but I think some promoters just need to take a chill pill. Um, and Cameron, if you're listening, uh, you keep wearing those red trunks and wear those white ones too. Um, and you keep taking all the selfies that you want, and um, I'll keep looking. And I'm sure there's other people out there that like to see you in red and white and blue or whatever um, and find nothing wrong with what you have on. And, and y'all don't forget to visit ProWrestlingTees.com and, and buy a Cameron Cage shirt. They're, they're nice looking. And help, help Cameron out. And, George, what do you think about censoring a wrestler for his gear, especially when there's no real reason? Uh, to be honest with you, I've seen some pretty outrageous stuff in wrestling, some stuff that's made me as a fan blush. Um, I don't think, I, you you know me, I'm a I'm an ECW mark through and through. And, you know, companies like that where there was absolutely no censorship to a family company, uh, I mean, I've... I used to, if you can remember, remember Brutus Beefcake when he would wear the pants where he basically had fishnets all the way up the side. I was a little bit disturbed by that. Um, <laughs> I remember those, yeah. The, the, the Billy Gun when you would see Billy Gun's rear end, I was disturbed yep, by that. Yeah. And and the wrestlers that, how do I say this in a nice way? They make it a point. That you look at their crotch area, you know, either they uh-huh. put a design right at that area. I, you know, I, I get there's not a lot of marking space on most trunks, but it's. I think it's kind of funny that that would be the place they would put it. Ric Flair never put the RF there. True, he was a, true. You know, he's the oldest ride in the park and has the longest line, if you know what I mean. Uh, I haven't <laughs> yeah. seen the pictures of of Cameron's offensive gear, I'm going to take your word for it because I think if it was offensive, you'd probably post it on your Facebook and fawn all over it. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I, it, it, it really depends on the show. If it's geared toward, kid, toward the kids' show and, you know, it's something offensive, like let's say Billy Gunn wearing his old trunks and say Mr. Ass on the back, I could see being asking him not to wear those out to the ring, but if it's something like a, you know, a, a show where there is no ratings and it's meant for adults held in a bar, yeah, go ahead and wear whatever you want because if you're an adult and you're going to that show, you've seen everything that the camera has to offer. Maybe not on sure. camera, but and and you know it kind of works with his gimmick. You mean. He has a narcissistic gimmick, so of course he wants to show off his body. And heck, if I look like Cameron Kate, I'd, I'd probably be showing off mine as well. <laughs> I'm, I'm built more like Hugh Morris, and I'm willing to show off my body. Go ahead, George. It, 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 I don't know. I, it, I agree with you with what you say, so I, I don't think – I think it's um, along the lines – and we've talked about this before. There's some wrestlers that that fall into that pretty boy section that that certain males feel threatened by them. You know that mm. you know, like, <laughs> yes. like Cameron, like like Caleb Conley. I'm not saying anything to this Bob, like a Dolph Ziggler. You know, all your favorites, right? And, and definitely some others. Ricky Morton. I mean. 
we go through the years, there's always been a large male audience that hates the guys that their girlfriends think is pretty or think is cute or attractive. And I think exactly. Cameron kind of kind of falls in that. Chances are the promoter's girlfriend or daughter or sister said said something to the effect of look at that guy over there, and he was offended because he doesn't get that reaction from whatever that person was, or maybe there was a valet that he only booked because he had intentions of taking her back home and she was fawning over Caleb, or I'm sorry, Ken, and I keep wanting to say Caleb because usually when we talk about pretty people, it's Caleb. We're talking about Caleb. <laughs> right. But, you know, I I just think some guys are a little bit too insecure in their, their self. I mean, I'm not the greatest looking guy in the world, but I really don't care. I mean, if you want to, if you're going to like a guy that's, that looks like that, you're not in the market for me anyway. So go ahead and look at it. That makes you happy sure, looking. Exactly. And there's nothing, like I said, there's absolutely nothing, there were, there's nothing wrong with those trunks. Um, I think we have, um, I think Sleaze wants to come on the air because he is friends with Cameron and I'm sure he's got a perspective on this. So uh, let me let uh, Sleaze come on real quick. Please, you there? Yes, I am. How are y'all? We're just fine. I'm assuming that you have some insight into the Cameron Cade affair. Well, um, let's let's put it like this. Uh, Cameron Cade and me, uh, we tag and and Chester and everything. And the tights that he uh, supposedly got uh, censored for, he has worn numerous occasions in Chester. Um, And the thing is, is... um, I understand, like, a lot of people, a lot of companies nowadays are really finicky about everything. Uh, you know, I've seen girl wrestlers that have been censored off shows because uh, they were wearing a, uh, basically, almost uh, um, just like regular wrestling uh, gear for women, but the promoter would say, hey, you're being too revealing, or the building that they're at would say, oh, they're being too revealing, and then they'd have to go and find new gear to wear that night. Um, I've been actually unbooked from a company just because they did not like my sleaze gimmick, and they completely banned me from their uh, company from ever wrestling there again, just for my gimmick. So, with the whole Cameron Cade uh, tights incident, uh, honestly, I don't see the problem with this gear. Uh, I've seen a lot of people in this business with gear that is more revealing than that and more controversial than that. For crying out loud, I have a pair of leopard uh, trunks that if I do the wrong kind of um, move in the ring, everybody's seeing a cheek. You know, so. <laughs> I, I, I've actually seen you, I think I've actually seen you wrestling those because uh, I believe I've seen your cheeks quite a few times, Mr. Swain. <laughs> I know. I see. It's enjoyable. I know. I, I understand all the all the people want to see the cheek, though. So, well, I wouldn't say it was enjoyable. I think the evening gown was more enjoyable personally. I thought you wore it well, but I, I believe I've seen the trunks that you're talking about. Yeah, which is yeah. in my closet. The dress, not the trunks. It's in my closet, by the way. Oh, you got a piece of wrestling history there. I sure do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I hear I hear Zoe in the background. Oh yeah, she's she's out here in her nightgown right now, playing in the garage, which I'm about to have to 
send her back in the house for wearing a nightgown outside. <laughs> oh, Dad, you're no fun. Well, uh, you know. <laughs> okay. Sh- <laughs> well, you know, uh, the pictures that Cameron sent me of those uh, trunks were in Chester. We're from Chester. And I'm thinking, I don't see the problem here. Um, you know, he's never been, like, you know, lewd and crude and everything. I mean, I, I, I'm with George. I think it's jealousy. I think it's hating. Just my opinion. Uh, I would agree. And, you know, it, it's a shame. Just let him be who he is. I mean, you know what you're getting into when you book these people. And if you don't, you should, as a booker, that's, that's shame on you for not doing your research. I mean, if I if I book Sabu, I know, I, I know I'm going to have to buy five or six tables because he's going to go through them. If I book and Cameron so- Kate, I know, you know, I know he's pushing the envelope a little bit. You gotta, you gotta know who you're booking. I mean, and you know that's, that's why that's, people I, come to see him. Exactly, you know, that, they, he's got a following for that. Well, you know, I saw him in Mount Airy, and he'd never been. As far as I know, he'd never been up there. And there were people, you know, asking me who because they saw us take a trip together. Like, who is that? Who is that? And he was getting more cheers than just about anybody. They didn't even know who he was. So, well, he's definitely he's definitely got that uh, that it factor that that people often talk about that no one could quantify. And I right. just like our friend Mr. Sleeve here does. I believe Mr. Sleeve has an it factor oozing out. And it's just a matter of time before he he blows up through the roof as well. I mean, it's certain guys. It's you the baby I, I know I like this guy. I know I like this guy. <laughs> The baby well, and, and no kidding, when I seen, I, I watched the $5 pay-per-view, when he put on the dress uh, and he was with it and he went with it, I was like, this guy gets it. And you could tell, you could just tell that you love doing what you're doing when you're in the ring and you've got that. It comes through. And, you know, watch even watching it at home on TV, you know that this guy's going to be somebody because he's going to try harder than everybody else. And that sums him mm-hmm. up. Right there. I know. Being this, being being not like Cameron Cade, not having, not not ha- doing the selfies in the gym mirror, um, not having the the body like Cameron Cade. I got to do something, you know. I got to go against the grain. And you do. And you, you're doing, friend. I tell you, I tell you what. You you got it. You have the it factor. It's just a matter of someone, the right people seeing you when you moving up that card. I'm excited. I want to see you back on Five Hour Wrestling because I thought you were absolutely amazing on there. Other, you and you and Terry and uh, Big Donnie were the highlights of my night for that last Five Hour Wrestling. That's some pretty good company to be in, please. Oh, I love that company. Uh, that's one thing <laughs> I can say. And I hope that all, I hope that all my uh, brothers from Five Dollar that are traveling to uh, WrestleCon, I hope they're safe on the way there. By the way. Yes, um, our our good friends from Five Dollar Wrestling. Some of them are going down for WrestleCon, and I'm really excited for them to have that kind of exposure that they may not have gotten through Five Dollar Wrestling. Really excited. I think it's the chance of a lifetime, and I think 
you know, they're going to, it's going to do nothing but move them up. And I'm really excited, and I can't wait. I'm hoping that they're going to do some kind of DVD or something, but um, for WrestleCon because I'd really like to see all that, and and maybe next year in California I will be there for WrestleCon. But um, is, that, is WrestleCon in California next year? WrestleMania is in California. I, I I did not even know this. Yeah, isn't WrestleMania oh, wow. in California next year, George? I believe so. I want to say it's in yeah. the Anaheim Angel Stadium. Oh yeah. Jesus! I gotta work my ass off so I can get uh get them. <laughs> well, you got a year, right? <laughs> yeah, I got a year. I got a year. By the way, push uh, Mr. Schwartz to Russell K. Uh, Russell K. Uh, just start going ahead and shooting that out. I haven't heard well, nothing. We'll definitely do that. Let's start, let's start blowing them up again. We can do that. You know, we will. Uh, not a problem. And. Um, Please, I'm going to put you back in the queue if that's okay. If you want to come on and talk when we've got Tommy on, just, you know, just let oh, me definitely. know. But me uh, I'm going to put you back. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to put you back in the queue. And like I said, you know, when you want to talk, just let me know, okay? All right. All right. Okay, there we go. I think that worked. Are you still there with me, George? I'm still here. Wonderful. You made a funny sound, but but I can hear you fine. <laughs> well, um, I'm not exactly sure. I think the, the the dashboard here is possessed, so I don't know. You want to start uh, rolling off some things that are going to be happening this weekend, George? Definitely. As everybody knows, this is probably the biggest week in wrestling all year, other than the big show, and not the wrestler, the, the main show. We have a couple other ones. We have Put together by Dragon Gate and Evolve. First, we have Evolve 28 on a Thursday, April 3rd, so tomorrow night at McAllister Auditorium in New Orleans, 8 o'clock bell time. And also, it'll be live on www.live.com. You have an Evolve Championship match, Chris Hero versus Trent Beretta. That's worth buying in itself. Uh, the Bravado Brothers versus the Gentlemen's Club. I know you're a big Bravado fan. They're definitely one of the great. Oh, watch that. Yep. And I'll, and oh, oh man, I can see it already. We got Joey Gargano versus Rick Swan and what should be the I think that'll be a show stealing match itself. And I also think you're right. another show stealer. Watch out for this one. AR Fox versus Caleb Common. And boy, Caleb's getting a lot of press on this show. Yeah, he is. I mean in, we, we should call this live from the Caleb this night. <laughs> I think we've mentioned him yeah. being more more on this one show than the other twelve episodes of Live from the Armory than it than have ever been said. I don't have a hater, you know, telling me that I need to stop drinking all the Conley aid. I'll tell you what, AR Fox versus Caleb Conley, that's gonna be one heck of a match. I mean that's worth like I said, there's three or four matches on there worth buying the eye pay per view or worth going to. I know a lot. A lot of people listening to the show are in the New Orleans area this week for WrestleMania. I'm sure there are still tickets available for these shows. Oh, I'm sure too, yeah. And we also got from Dragon Gate USA, Open the Ultimate Gate 2014. And yes, folks, it's a Japanese-based company, so they do have some strange names. Uh, (laughs) Friday, April 4th, also at the McAllister Auditorium in New Orleans, Louisiana, 8 o'clock bell time. 
the Freedom Gate Championship match. Joey Gargano defends against the Open the Dream Gate Champion Ricochet. Ricochet. Oh, I butchered that one, huh? But <laughs> just wait a bit. <laughs> Gargano, I believe he's been over two years as the Open the or as the Freedom Gate Champion, hasn't he? I think I you're right. And Ricochet, everybody knows Ricochet. He's amazing. Him and A.R. Foxy, Inner City, Machine Guns, they're both amazing wrestlers. Open the Ultimate Gate, or open the United Gate Championship match. The Bravada Brothers with Moose against Caleb Conley, Anthony Neese, and Mr. A. Also, you have what can only be called, I I would say this is an indie fan dream match. This is a mm-hmm. once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Chris Hero versus former ECW World Heavyweight Champion and FMW Superstar Masato Tanaka. I mean, that's... You're probably only going to see that once in your lifetime in America. So if you're in the area, if you get the iPay-Per-View, you're going to get a match that you'll never see unless you go to Japan. Speaking of of that, George, real quick, you know, you said that, um, you know, this is a Japanese-based company. It reminds me of, like, some of these titles are, like, straight out of anime. Well, I believe in the original Dragon Gate, which was started by Ultimo Dragon himself, everything had a gate, you know, every title they had. And, of course, when they expanded to American, did Dragon Gate USA, they kept all that, that theme going through. It's, gotcha. it's, okay. very, it's very much if the American version has a little bit less, they still have it, but it's very much like you said, it has an anime influence. If you watch the the Japanese version, there's a lot of masked wrestlers, a lot of almost I wanna say almost Chikara esque. Mhm. I think you know, I would agree with that. Talent. They're, I mean, they're all very talented wrestlers, and I think you hit his nail on the head. Um, I, I've seen quite a few of the Dragon Gate in, Jap- in Japan pay-per-views as well, and they're all amazing talent. Now that they got the working agreement with Dragon Gate USA and Evolve, you see a lot more of the Americans going over there as well and getting that exposure, which in Japan, the Indies aren't looked at as they are in America. They're they're on the same footing as, like, an All Japan or a New Japan, whereas here, you know, even a great indie like Ring of Honor or PWX or any of the great indies that we have in America are looked as being a step down from TNA and WWE, even though they may have better matches and better wrestlers there. And we all know that. Japan just has a lot more respect for the wrestlers and the, the way they work. They don't care if it's a show they paid $5 to get into or 500 They just want to be entertained, and they want to see guys that can actually wrestle. It's what used to be on the marquee. Exactly. Wrestling is on the marquee. And now and it's, it's like... And now uh, there's, there's just a few more I wanted to mention before I kick it over to you, because I know you have some you want to mention as well, Laura. Um, keeping with the Dragon Gate, I believe this is a co-Dragon Gate and Evolve show, which 
basically they're the same company, just run a little bit differently. We have a Mercury Rise in 2014, Saturday, April 5th, also McAllister Auditorium, also New Orleans, also 8 o'clock bell time. So three nights in a row, you get to see Dragon Gate or Evolve and all the stars of each. Uh, this one has a six-man tag tournament. It doesn't have the exact matches involved, but it does have participants of Chris Hero, Roderick Strong, Caleb McConley, Trent Beretta, Edward Fox, Johnny Gargano, Red Ant, Green Ant, and too many more to list here. I mean, we got, it reads off like a who's who of indie wrestling being involved in that show. Like it I does. said, if you're in the New Orleans area and you got some disposable income, instead of spending $30 on a WWE shirt, why don't you go over to this and check out one of these shows and have you a great time. Might even be better than the main show, depending on how Mr. Levesque's ego is feeling that day. <clears throat> you know, I really think he's going to end up with that title, or those titles. I really do, <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Let's Exactly. We'll, we'll focus on guys that deserve our focus. I mean, not that Triple H is a bad wrestler or anything of that, but we, we got some guys that haven't made it to the mountaintop yet yes, that we deserve did. just as much focus as he does. The last thing I wanted to mention before I kick it over to you is if you're a fan of Chikara, which I am and I know you are too as well, Laura, mm-hmm. they're coming back. Their return show is on iPay-Per-View. They finally announced it. May 25th, 2014, 8 p.m. start time. It's called You Only Live Twice. It's an Eastern day if you're in the area. Um, they didn't list what auditorium or what where they're going for that, but I'm sure it'll be easy enough to figure out once you go and buy tickets if you're in the Eastern area. Also, if you go to www.chakarapro.com and you pre-buy the iPay-Per-View, you'll get it at a discounted rate if you do it before before May the 1st. They'll knock $3 off, $12.99 for a Chikara pay-per-view. Uh, they haven't announced any matches. You also get a free book, a free, um, free e-book, which you can you know, download to your Kindle or iPad or do it on your laptop or wherever else you want to read your ebook. Comes free with that if you sign up before May the first. If you haven't seen Chikara, I guarantee you you have never seen anything like this in the in the world of wrestling. Exactly. If you're looking for you're looking for something totally different, something totally innovative, Chikara is where to go. I mean I've not seen one show of the shows I've watched of Chikara, and I haven't seen them all. But every one I've watched has been extremely fun, extremely entertaining, fantastic wrestling mixed with a whole lot of humor. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I'm I'm so excited and stoked, and you know I've talked to you about this many times, that they were able yes. to relaunch the company and come back. I think it's an awesome place and an awesome company to work for. I think it's, they give you all that they have, and they, you know, like I said, I've been entertained every show I've watched. I can't say that about 99.9% of the wrestling companies out there. 
no, especially um, the big ones. Exactly. But I'll kick it over to you, Laura. I know you had some that you wanted to mention as well. Um, sure do. Um, we've got Vendetta Pro Wrestling on Friday, April 4th. Bell time is 7.30. It takes place in Santa Maria, California at the Radisson Hotel. You know, if you can't make it to WrestleCon or to Wrestle, uh, that other big event down in uh, Louisiana, um, check these guys out. Uh, you've got Jekylls versus Tyler Bateman in a non-title match for the Underground Championship. I like anybody that's named Jekylls. You know, I don't know who this person is, but I need to find out. I like that. We've got um, Billy Blade versus Caden Anthony for the Vendetta Pro Championship. Creek Show versus the Ballard Brothers for the Vendetta Pro Tag Team Championship. And there's other matches on the card. If you're interested in going, uh, visit uh, www.vendettaprowrestling.com. I've also got RTW Wrestling on Friday, April 4th in Columbia, Tennessee at Old Harvey's Gym, 8 o'clock bell time. On the card, former WWE, WCW, ECW, and TNA star Wolfie D. That sounds like a great card to me. That's pretty awesome. You get to see Wolfie D. He's, he does some great stuff. I don't know if he's going to be with um, uh, Roosevelt, but he and Roosevelt make a great tag team. Uh, if you're in the Tennessee uh, area out there at Columbia, uh, go check them out. I don't, unfortunately, I don't have an, a, a web address or anything for them, but I'm sure you could probably Google it and look it up and find out the information. And I'm going to kick it over to you, George, uh, for a couple more. Now, Laura, you know we have to smack you with the wet noodle. You, you broke K-Fade and you mentioned Wolfie D and his new, uh, his new gimmick. I did? You know that? Yeah, you, you said his team with Roosevelt. He's not Wolfie D when he's with Roosevelt. Oh, that's right. Oh, yes, let me. That's right. Break your kayfabe here. You, if it hasn't been broken already, you've shattered everything that Vince left for us to break. <laughs> but but oh. I'll go ahead. I'm sorry. I just I had to pick on you. No, about but I'm sorry. actually, it's your turn. <laughs> but uh, let, me, let me mention some other things here. This is something that I'm actually more bummed out about not being a part of than WrestleMania. Friday, April 4th, Mid-South Wrestling Legends Fan Fest, and I believe the doors open at 1 o'clock. I could be wrong. It's in the Sigour Center in Calumet, Louisiana, and if I'm pronouncing any of that wrong, I know Bob will give me the correct pronunciation as I I give him when he pronounces stuff from Florida or Pennsylvania that's wrong, but I know he'll tell me if what I pronounce wrong. Listen to this card here, folks. This is a who's who of the Mid-South area. Scheduled to appear, Cowboy Bill Watts, the Midnight oh, Express, God. Jim Cornette, the Rock and Roll Express, Bill Dundee, Mr. Wrestling 2. How long has it been since anybody has seen Mr. Wrestling 2 at a convention? Or I mean, talked about him. That's one of the all-time greats. He's one of the guys that I think kind of gets forgotten with time. But, oh, my God, Mr. Wrestling 2. What a great talent and a great wrestler and one of the hugest stars that ever came out of the Mid-South area. Also, wrestling legend Kamala. I mean, 
It's a who's who of the Mid-South area, as well as that, plus many more guests. An entire day and evening, an end evening of wrestling as well, featuring the Junkyard Dog Memorial Cup tournament, which was announced before the Andre the Giant Battle Royal, so I think um, somebody stole from Mid-South once again. For any info... Go to www.midsouthlegends.com. I mean, that's a packed card. You got some of the all-time greats in the history of wrestling. The price of admission is worth it to see Mr. Wrestling to himself. He, I, as far as I know, he doesn't do many conventions. I don't think he and does Kamala, either. Kamala has been in pretty bad health recently. It'd be nice just to go out there and show Kamala some love because everybody loves Kamala. I mean, of course. I mean, you got at any time you could put the Midnight Ex- and the Rock and Roll Express in the same building. Magic is bound to happen. <clears throat> and I don't mean to be dirty, but that's like a wrestling fan's wet dream. I mean, <laughs> it just is, you know. I mean, exactly. I've mentioned it before and I've mentioned it on my show before, you could put the Midnight Express versus the Rock and Roll Express on any card in the the south, anywhere south of, I'd say, Virginia, to this day, and they're going to sell out that card, just them two names. Oh, I I would dare to say in Virginia as well, because, you know, old NWA came up to Roanoke, and that's where... Little teenage Laura saw the Rock and Roll Express, so yeah. I mean, I, I would say anywhere in the South, but, it would it would sell it out. Well, I, was, I was trying to, you know, I was trying to think how far Georgia Championship Wrestling reached, and I didn't know if it made it all the way up to you. But now that you, you mentioned that, of course it did, because you were you're a huge Road Warrior, not Road well Road Warriors too, but Rock and Roll Express fan when you were a child. Exactly. And you still act like that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I digress. Now on to the um, on to one of the bigger shows of the week, Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor Eight, Friday, April fourth at the Bayou Segnet Sports Complex in Westwego, Louisiana. Again, if I pronounce any of these things wrong, I'm sure Bob will be able to tell me that what I've done wrong. <laughs> I'm not oh, Louisianan. Yeah. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing any of that right, but it sounds, the way I'm saying it is how it's spelled. 7.30 bell time. The sign matches are Ladder War number five. Now, if you haven't seen Ladder War one through four, it's basically the be-all, end-all feud ender in Ring of Honor. It's what they do when they have a feud that's escalated to a point where they need a new level of violence, they go to Ladder War. And they oh. don't disappoint. It's got Adam Cole defending his world title against the real Ring of Honor world champion and my world champion as well, Jay Briscoe. Although That's I do exactly like those right. guys. Jay never lost the title. Adam Cole won in the tournament. They're going to unify both titles and have one Ring of Honor champion. Also, we got Mark Briscoe versus Michael Bennett in a no DQ match. Kevin Steen versus Michael Elgin. And the winner will face the IWGP champion at War of the Worlds. Also, I'd like to call this the old versus the new 
Roderick Strong versus Cedric Alexander. When I watch these two guys, they both remind me of each other so much. Mm-hmm. It's almost like watching Roderick Strong wrestle himself. Now, also, I like that. I like that analogy. I, I really do. I really do. I think I think Cedric Alexander, he reminds me so much of Roderick Strong now that he's incorporating the backbreaker as a finishing move as well. I mean, it, it's just a natural comparison. Plus, I think you're right. Great matches on that. And also on the Saturday, April 5th at a 2 p.m. bell time, the same venue as the one for Friday, scheduled to appear, Adam Cole, Cedric Alexander, Tommaso Ciampa, Silas Young, Jay Lethal, Matt Taven, and all the stars of Ring of Honor. For any event info you would like, go to www.rohwrestling.com and just go there, Ring of Honor. You know, you know, Laura, I'm a huge fan of Ring of Honor. I think it's as close as this generation is going to get to a to an ECW feel. I mean, they're the absolute cream of the crop when you talk to it talk about indie wrestling. And I, I just think, much like I said with Chikara, they don't disappoint when they put on a show. If you want to see wrestling like me and you grew up on, you go to a Ring of Honor show. They yes, actually you do. Still, it's not sports entertainment there, folks. This is actual wrestling, like like the guys in Mid-South used to do like the guys in the MWA used to do, like the guys in PWX still do. There's still wrestling out there, and there's still the wrestling that we all grew up up with and loved. You know, not not knocking sports entertainment at all. There's something for everybody out there. Myself personally, I grew up on Tully Blanchard versus Dusty Rhodes going 45 minutes and then beginning to draw. I've got more enjoyment out of that than any Hulk Hogan match I've ever seen. And I think Ring of Honor follows those lines. They're heavily influenced. I I would say they're heavily influenced by Crockett Promotions, mixed with a lot of the Japanese strong style. If you haven't seen Mm -hmm. them, I'm not sure why you haven't, but Ring of Honor is definitely the show to watch. I'll kick it back over to you. I know we've got a, a couple more before we wanted to get Tommy on. Yes, yes. I want to cover at least one more, and then, you know, uh, since, you know, I'm in charge tonight, if we have to go over a little bit, we will. Uh, And it's never been a problem going over for Bob, Uh, you know, I don't want to say that, but, you know, I'm just saying if we have to go over, because I don't want to cut Tommy short, because I want to talk to him about a lot of stuff, and if we have to go over, we will. But And we'll pick back up on some other things, because there's a lot of things that um, happened. There's two cards that happened this past weekend I want to get to as well. Um, but NWA Smoky Mountain, Saturday, April 5th in Sneedville, Tennessee, 8 p.m. bell time. I have no clue where Sneedville, Tennessee is, but NWA Smoky Mountain usually runs in the Johnson City, Bristol, Kingsport area, so I'm sure that's where this is, which is not very far from my house. I need to get to some of these Tennessee shows. Um, it's at the Old Hancock County High School. We've got the Illuminati versus Jeff Conley and Nick Hammonds. We've got Daniel Mulligan. I've seen his name before, and I think it was in NWA Smoky Mountain. I think it's very interesting. His last name is Mulligan, uh, but I digress. Um, versus Elliot Russell. There's other matches um, there also. 
uh, for more info, you can go to www.nwasmokymountain, that's K-Y, dot com. And um, I think I've got time to cover this shimmer card real quick. Uh, folks, if you're a fan of women's wrestling, and I'm not talking about this divas mess that you see where people, you know, have cakewalks and dress up like elves and all that good kind of uh, crap. Um, I mean, you know, gosh, um, check out a shine or a shimmer uh, eye pay-per-view or a show if they're in your town. Uh, but this is Shimmer. This is going to be Saturday, April 5th in New Orleans at the McAllister Auditorium. There's a 3 p.m. bell time. Scheduled to appear are the following. There's going to be a Shimmer title match. Two out of three falls with a 90-minute time limit. Cheerleader Melissa defends against Lufisto. That sounds like that's going to be a good part. That match right there is worth going to see it or getting it on iPay-Per-View. Um, also going to be appearing is Candice LeRae. Um, she's usually not on this side of the Mississippi, if you know what I mean. No, um, no she's not. So, she's usually with a pro wrestling gorilla in a championship wrestling from Hollywood. So. Hollywood, exactly. So this is probably, yeah, it's the big treat. Um, we've got Maya Yim, who I um, absolutely love her. I've seen her wrestle at PWX uh, twice now. She wrestled uh, a man the first time. I mean, she can go. Um, we've got also Leva. Leva's my hero. She's the biggest nerd as I am. Um, uh, Barbie Hayden and many more. Uh, information is available at www.nlive.com. And we're just about ready to get the Tommy Thomas on the phone. Are you ready for the Tommy Thomas, Mr. Coles? I believe I'm as ready as I'm going to be. This should be a treat. (laughs) This should be a treat. Um, Folks, if you want to talk to Tommy while we've got him on the air, uh, please call 213-816-1605. Press 1. You'll be put in the queue. I'll see you pop up and know that you want to speak with him. So it's 8 o'clock, and as I promised Mr. Thomas, we're going to get him on the air. So uh, cross your fingers, so here it goes. Mr. Thomas. Hello. Mr. Thomas. Hello. Can you guys hear me? I can hear you, Mr. Thomas. How are you doing today? Um, I'll answer any question you have if you answer me one first. Have either one of you two downloaded the PWX app yet? Yes, I have. I showed you at Ziggy's, remember? Okay, I'm just making sure. I just got to make sure everyone downloads the app. I definitely got it. Matter of fact, there have been many a, a lunch break at work where I go to the app and watch old episodes or watch the newest episode if I haven't caught up on it yet. It doesn't. I'm, I live in Florida, so PWX doesn't have locally here, so that's the only way I get to watch it. Well, that's good to know. As long as you download the app, I will gladly answer any questions you people have. Well, wonderful, Tommy. It's our pleasure. Welcome to the show. Um, I know it's your you pleasure. Know, I know. I know. You know who I am, and my guest uh, co-host today is George Coles. Has a little show called Heel Heat. It's wonderful. He'll be um, talk tonight, so... Um, he sounds about as fat as you do. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. I'm a little bit fatter than she is. Well, I wouldn't brag about that. 
Oh, Tommy, <laughs> Tommy, love you, Tommy. Um, well, you know, now <laughs> I've got to say that, um, you know, you and George have something in common. It's a love of ECW. Well, absolutely, ECW. I'm not going to say that it's the best wrestling in history, but Paul Heyman is a creative genius. And if you're, if you're a fan of any sport, you'll know the expression, there's a player's coach and a coach's coach. And Paul Heyman was the ultimate player's coach where he understood his guys on his roster. He knew what made them tick. He knew what made them good. He knew what made them weak. And he would cover up the weaknesses, and he would stop things from making them tick. And if he couldn't, he'd play it up like nobody's business. I mean, it was amazing. I absolutely agree. It uh, accentuates the positives and hide the negatives. I mean, the guy, the guy was amazing. If you look at it, look at a guy like New Jack or a guy like the Sandman. They couldn't wrestle their way out of a paper bag. However, he made them just as big a stars as a guy like Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit, you know, all the guys that can, you know, wrestle circles around anybody in the business. I, I agree. And he I actually had all those guys that can out-wrestle everybody on all of his cards, and they were working with guys that couldn't work. or I don't want to say couldn't work, but had a lot of glaring weaknesses, and they all looked like stars at the end of it. Well, yeah, I mean, if you, if you just look at the guys after ECW shut down, and I don't want to knock anybody. I'm not saying anybody's a horrible wrestler by any, spend, any extent of the means, but the people that were misused, let's say, in other companies, I mean, look at the way that WWE used Sabu. I mean, you got a guy that at one point was probably one of the most popular wrestlers in America and he goes to WWE, and they absolutely book him to look like he's nothing. I mean, and TNA was just as bad with him. And ECW, And all the guys all, all were saying, like, oh, well, we're worried because he works a little bit unsafe. And it's like the whole, this ain't ballet. It's wrestling. Well, that's the point. You're, you're in professional wrestling. The Crusher never said you work unsafe. Kamala never said yeah. you work on safe. Heck, ask anybody that's been in the ring with Stan Hansen. He couldn't see you to work safe, work safe with him. And yeah, those guys that show up loaded and work safer, I mean, you get them that work safe. So it's one of those things where it's like it's not about what a promoter thinks in some cases. It's about if other workers feel comfortable working with that person, who's the promoter to say, oh, well, I don't think he's safe for us. Well, it's like, oh, if everyone in your locker room has agreed to work with the person, what's the problem? It, it, it befuddles me that I, I think – Paul Heyman's one of the very few promoters that have got it and understood the wrestling fans more than anybody else. And I believe it comes from him being a fan himself. Well, absolutely. Has, I mean, say again. Me a, question, a question for you, Tommy. You know, when, when did you start watching wrestling? Was it through ECW or were you watching wrestling before that? I've been watching wrestling since I was a kid. Like, one of my earliest memories of wrestling in general was I got a VHS tape from my grandma of WrestleMania two main event, Hulk Hogan versus King Kong Bundy, universally panned as one of the worst WrestleManias of all time. But as a little kid, you have no idea what bad wrestling is. 
Like, you just see wrestling, oh, wow, there's a lot of glitz and glamour, and there's all this crazy stuff, and there's violence and blood. Oh, my goodness, and the hero. We need the hero to win. So, of course, I got hooked ever since then. Exactly. <laughs> I came in at about the same time. Uh, my, Believe it or not, as a little kid, even, my first real fan, the first person I was a real fan of was Roddy Roddy Piper, and he was a heel at the time. I absolutely hated Hulk Hogan. I was one of the few kids in high, in my uh, elementary school that wasn't Hulkamaniac. I was all for Roddy Roddy Piper because he was, to me, he was funnier and he was just entertaining. And even Absolutely. As a kid, I, 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 I was definitely a Hulk Hogan, Mark. I'm not even going to lie about it. Up until 1991, when I saw this man go on WWE TV, because I'm from the North. We had WWE when I was, or WWF when I was a kid. And then this man went on TV who I had never seen before, claiming to be the real world heavyweight champion. And for some reason that registered my brain, and I automatically knew this is the guy that I want to be like when I grow up. And then when that man won the 1992 Royal Rumble, that's when I said, I'm going to, be, I'm going to work in this business. That's it. This is my life's calling. That's amazing. And so so we can easily put you down in, in the category of one of the millions of us that are Ric Flair fans. Absolutely. I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina. I have to root for the nature. Well, not anymore. Not anymore. Nature Boy is a horrible person in Charlotte right now. We all hate his guts. He turned his back on our Carolina Panthers, and we can't have that. <laughs> well, you know, you know, I've always, I've always said with nature, and and I love the guy who doesn't love him. I I believe that was more of a the the Packers were willing to pay him to show up, and I don't think he turns down a paycheck anymore. Oh, he definitely doesn't yeah. like. Yeah, he yeah I he definitely doesn't turn down a paycheck. <laughs> I believe them four or five alimonies don't let him tur- turn down any booking. Yeah, that's one of those things. But like, as a Panthers fan. I was heartbroken. It made me stop cheering for Nate. Well, he'll come back to the Panthers. Say again? I, I believe he'll come back to the Panthers. As a matter of fact, I believe he's, and, and I don't, I'm not trying to diss the Panthers by any means, I believe he's their biggest celebrity fan, isn't he? Yeah, he used to be. He used to go to a lot of the games. You see him all around at any sporting event in Charlotte, Bobcats games, uh, Panthers games, Checkers games. You could go out and you'd see him, and odds are, if you talk to him and he liked you enough, he'd buy you a drink. There you go. Are you speaking from experience, Tommy? I'm speaking from I know everyone in this town kind of thing. Charlotte's not that big of a city, contrary to popular belief. A lot of the people in Charlotte know a lot of the people in Charlotte. Everyone who I know is interacting with them. I don't have time to go to sporting events. I'm busy working and doing wrestling shows and trying to find new clients to bring in to wrestling shows. Well, let's let's talk about that. Let's go back to your beginnings. How about that? Let's talk about how you got started in the business and when did you start, who trained you, and did you choose to add the to your name as a nod to Brian Kendrick? This is actually going to be the shortest story you will ever hear about a wrestling career. I've only been in this business for not even three full years at this point. Like, from my first time 
training and doing anything till today, I'm still not at the three-year point. Like, I started in a little family set out in Lincolnshead known as Millennium Wrestling Federation. They won't let you go outside to work anywhere. You have to solely work for them. And it's one of those things where it's like, well, they're giving me training. I'm getting to learn a lot of stuff, and I'm getting to learn a lot of stuff for free. So I'm not really going to go against them. But once in a while, you know you have to break out of that little box and move on to bigger and better things. So I moved on to uh, PWX's rival federation, who I'm not really going to name, saying as I am still officially working for PWX. But we had a rival fed, and PWX started cherry-picking talent like Vince McMahon in the 80s, went around all the local feds, started picking up guys. I was the last person picked up locally. I find that hard to believe that you've only been in the business three years. And I believe you. I'm just saying that I find it hard to believe because of your ring presence and just the way that you interact with, you know, your wrestlers and with the fans, you seem like a seasoned vet. No, not even not even a little bit. Like, I am, I am definitely, <laughs> and it's so weird for me because, like, people say that to me all the time backstage and they think, Oh, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but, like, a couple of guys are like, oh, Tommy's some sort of big shot. Like, he's been around, and let's ask him questions about, like, what we can do to improve our gimmicks. And I'm like, guys, you've been doing this for at least two to three times as long as I have. I should be asking you a thousand questions about how I can get better with everything I do in the ring. Well, there's like, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, but, yeah, I mean, I was, I'm, was shocked, you know, because you do act like – You've been in. You've been doing it forever. Uh, it's it's like you it's like you guys are talking about. If you're a fan of something, you get to learn it. And I mean, it's not like you can learn open heart surgery, but anyone can learn wrestling. True. Well, I, um, I think for you being in there, I I hadn't known that. That was the first time I've heard that you've been on. You've only been in there three years, and you've caught on. And, and you probably like we were talking about earlier with uh with Mister Sleeve. You're at, you probably have an acumen for it and work harder than these guys that have been there eight or nine years that are trying to take it as just a payday. Whereas someone like you, you grew up loving it. Like you said, you've seen WrestleMania too. You've seen Ric Flair in the Royal Rumble, and you decided that's what you wanted to do with your life. Well, and, like, I mean, and the thing is, a lot of people say that like to make it to the top in this business or to make it anywhere in this business, you have to step on toes and you have to like be a dick. Can I say that? Can I say that? Is that okay to say? You can say whatever you want to, Tommy. Uh, okay. Well, people think that like you have to be a dick to make it into this business where most people don't realize you can catch more flies with honey than sugar. It's just people aren't going to remember you as easily. Like there's times where I work with like prime example is a. Uh, is I'm not going to say which Hardy brother it is, but there is a Hardy brother who I've worked with on at least ten different occasions, shared a locker room this, with this man, had several conversations with him, extended conversations with him, and every time I see him, I'm like, I get that he meets a lot of people, but at the same time, I'm like, hey, it's nice to see you again, da 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 da, da. how about this, how about this, and he's like, oh, yeah, hey, man, nice to meet you. Like, I get it, I'm not the most impactful person backstage because – I try to kind of fly under the radar. I drink my beer, I wait for my time, and then I go out there and I do my work. But some people just like you have to, oh, you have to be over-aggressive for people to remember you. Yeah, that might be true, but also people are going to start hating you if you're a little too over the top all the time. That's true. 
that's very true. Um, and this, this business is all politics. It really is. Like, as yeah. much as other people want to say it's not, it definitely is politics. It's all in who likes you more than everybody else. Hmm. Well, you I would say I, people like you. I mean, who who wouldn't like you, right? People like me is like genuinely outside of when I'm working with my clients or trying to get my clients over, I'm a pretty nice person. Like you see me on show days, I'm stressed out because I'm worried about what Ethan and Eli are going to do, who their opponents are, things like that. So I'm not a nice, happy person. But outside of, outside of wrestling, whole another monster because I'm not worried about what's going on in real life. I can handle real life. Wrestling is the hard part. Interesting, interesting. Well, speaking of real life, I've got a caller here. Would you like to take a caller? It's up to you guys. It's your show. Well, I mean, they're probably going to ask you a question, so I just want to make sure that you're okay with that. Um, All right, let's get this party started. All right, let's go. Let's see here. 904, you're on the air with uh, the Tommy Thomas. So it's about time I've been on hold for like four hours. Say, say what? <laughs> Tommy, what's up? Hey, how you doing? Tommy, I have a question for you, but before I get to that, can I ask George a question? Definitely. George, we started Deshaun Jackson from you. He's now a Redskins. How do you think about that? Uh, I know who this is. I know um, who this is, too. I've- I, I think about that the same thing I think of every Redskins big free agent signing. They win the, the off season every year, but let's see what happens in the regular season when they're five and eleven again. Yeah. We'll choke and we'll go missing like a Malaysian jet. What are you gonna do? <laughs> it's great to be on your show, Laura. You're doing a great job. Appreciate Tommy, that tweet. Thank you very much. I am the mass tweeter back from Parts Unknown. Tommy, i got a question for you. You're one of the greatest heels I've ever seen on the independent scene. Who are some of the heels Who are some of the heels that inspired you? Where do you get that creative force from? That's a really difficult question to answer, and it's only because there's this fine line where you don't want to steal other people's gimmicks. At the same time, you kind of do want to take a little bit from them and let it influence you. So, of course, I'm going to have to say, you know, all the basic names that everyone knows, like Bobby Heenan, um, the Grand Wizard, uh, Slick, um, Classy Freddie Blassie, all of those guys. You have to say all of those. But at the same time, most people forget about, like, guys like, um, like a prime example, like Rob Van Dam did something very simple. Everyone always, like, says Rob Van Dam's a great wrestler. Most people don't realize how charismatic he was because of one move that he did. He always did the point at himself with his thumbs and go, Rob, Van, Dam, and got more over than anything with something as simple as that. So I look at little things like that where maybe if I do a little simple hand gesture, the fans might pick up on it. So every time I say, worse case scenario. I point the fingers and I do that cadence every single time. So that way it sticks. I mean, it's just, it's all watching tape and just seeing things you like. Like, prime example, I'm watching SummerSlam from 1996. I think it was. Shawn Michaels versus Big Van Vader. I'm watching the match and Shawn Michaels goes to the top rope, jumps off the top rope, 
lands on his feet and stomps Vader in the face. Anyone think that sounds familiar from anywhere? Any move said that you know that sounds anything like that? I believe I've seen that quite a few times. It's yeah. called the move of the night. Like, it's little things like right. that. Yeah. So, and Shawn Michaels only did it in one match ever. But we saw that, or Ethan saw that, he liked it, he used it. It's things like that. And it's people, oh, well, you're stealing gimmicks, you're stealing gimmicks. It's wrestling. If you've ever done a DDT, you're stealing Jake the Snake Roberts gimmick. If you've ever done a headlock, you're stealing Lutez's gimmick. Like, anything like that. I got to yeah. say, the first time I saw Tommy live, I went to a PWX show in Concord. North Carolina. I'm very insecure about my weight. This guy walks right up to me and a group of other guys and says, you're the fattest guy I've ever seen at a wrestling show. I had no idea who he was. I thought he was just a fan. I didn't know, I didn't know he was at the show, right? But I started getting all defensive, like, really, what, the, what did I do to this guy, right? I later see him in the show, and it was just brilliant. I mean, the fact that he was out mingling with the fans and just ribbing them all night long was so beautiful, man. It, it was great. I was hooked on PWX ever since. David well, Tommy, like Jane Riley, Tommy, they're the reasons I got hooked on PWX. And, like, the thing is, a lot of people hate things like that where it's like, oh, you shouldn't be killing kayfabe by interacting with the fans before a show. It's like, what the hell do you call a gimmick table? You think it's, like, you think it's normal to have, like, a prime example. We had Kevin Steen and Steve Carino who were in a bitter feud at the time, and they're selling merchandise five feet from each other. Kayfabe has been long dead for a long time. Look at it like this. I look at it as, for lack of a better term, I know everyone hates this, but it's my thing, sports entertainment. I look at it like every single TV show that I watch on TV. I understand that there is a little bit of fictionality to everything that goes on. Rather, it's in-ring people, quote-unquote, pulling punches and doing shit like that. I look at it as this is scripted drama for my entertainment. That simple. Let me ask you this, and then I'll run and let you guys get back to the show because you're doing a great job, Laura and George. Uh, have you ever been in any danger? Has any fans ever, like, taken offense and actually approached you? Have you ever been in any kind of situation that got hairy? Um, South Carolina. I was working for this fed called Trans-South Wrestling, and <laughs> the fans down the fans down there, Laura, you probably know, you've been to a few shows, I think, like, they are very, like, they're very kayfabe-oriented. Like, mm-hmm. they don't like wrestlers to break kayfabe, any of that. They take it as what I say in the ring, I'm literally directing at them personally. Like, I'm going, like, this town sucks. <laughs> he's, he's specifically saying to me personally that my town sucks, which is good. But at the same time, you forget that some people don't think like normal people and will sit there and go, this guy's insulting me. I need to harm him later. So it was a managing Amanda or Amber O'Neill versus Amanda Rodriguez. We call for a spot where Amanda's running around the ring, and I just up and deck her in the face. Boom. <laughs> Get her right there in the face while she's running around the ring. Fans lose it. Security's on me like white on rice. And then, like, I get to the back, and the promoter's like, 
yeah, if you don't mind, can you just hang out in the locker room until after all the fans are leaving? Because there's a couple of fans looking for your car, and they're not saying, and they're saying, and they're not calling me the Tommy Thomas. They're calling me a, a very offensive word to other black people. If that makes oh. any sense, it's a word that begins with it and rhymes with wigger. Right. <laughs> Hey, but yeah, to, so, some degree, you gotta, to some degree, you got to really pat yourself on the back for that. Well, I, I really, I look at it as like the biggest compliment. If you think I'm this much of an asshole in the ring, that means I'm doing something at least a little bit right. And like all the fans that have always come up to me after shows, we hate you. You're a piece of crap, Tommy. Screw you, Tommy. All end up becoming fans of mine after they talk to me for five minutes because they're like, okay, well, you're not that much of an asshole when you're not dealing with wrestling. And it's because wrestling is a whole other monster. Wrestling is business for me. Life is just fun. Wrestling is not fun for me. Well, I mean, it's fun, but it's not that kind of fun. Like, I look at this as very much a business. Hey, Tommy, thanks for talking to me, man. My condolences on your recent loss. I appreciate what you do. Keep up the great work. Same to you, Lauren, George. I'm out of here. Hey, Thanks, find Peter. some slim fast before you go, though. What's that? Find some slim fast. They'll probably do wonders. <laughs> also, piece of advice, always wear sleeves. Always wear sleeves. I'm trying. Hey, I'm down 30 pounds, brother. Yeah, but that still leaves you with another 300 to lose before you're at 300. So oh, I've got to lose 100 pounds just to get fat again. I mean, geez, like, you sound like you're sweating just talking to me on the phone. You sound wetter than Laura during a Caleb Conley match. <laughs> like, no, 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 you sound wetter than Laura when it's Caleb versus, uh, versus Cameron Cade. Like, if that match ever happened, I think we'd have to buy her new underwear. We'd have to buy a whole new floor. Um, I think we'd have to buy her a whole new wardrobe. She'd run through everything. Yeah, oh like, I don't, I, like Noah would have to build an ark with that flood that would be coming out. <laughs> my mask is blushing. I'm out of here. Bye, Tweeter. Oh, my God. Any other there questions? Goes, there goes the masked Tweeter. Oh, my God, Tommy. I can't believe you went there. What, you guys that you wanted me on for an interview, you're going to get me, so. <laughs> this is true. Um, George, while I, you know, get over my embarrassment, why don't you uh, ask Tommy the next question? <laughs> oh, yeah, I never answered one of your questions. The person that trained me, I have a lot of trainers, but the people who I credit the most are, well, the three people, four people, my home fed Millennium, or my first fed Millennium Wrestling Federation, all those guys out there helped train me, including one night we had worst case security on uh, during uh, our match versus the Bravados. He was one of my trainers, as well as APW down in Chester, Baja, he's a really great trainer. If you're looking for like a more relaxed atmosphere where it's like, all right, you're going to go through it slow till you know it. Like some people are like, rush, get this done, learn the stuff. Where Baja's more like, all right, you're going to do this one move 500 times until you get this one move perfect, and then we'll move on to the next one. And, of course, Zane Riley and Jake Manning, I have to give them a lot of credit for management version of me because after every single match I've ever been involved in, they will sit there and pull me aside right afterwards, even if Zane's in the match with me, and go, all right, here's what you did wrong, and will shoot me out for 20 straight minutes just so I can get better. 
So I really have to thank Jake Manning and Zane Riley for that. Awesome. That's awesome. Tommy, I wanted to ask you ask you something, um, and you kind of you kind of touched on it a little bit with the, the the words that people said to you. Um, I don't I don't often think about this because I was raised up by a hippie. Um, my my question is, you know, growing up being an African American wrestling fan, how how was that different, and how is it perceived differently than let's say myself as a white fan? who I get to see basically, you know, white champion after white champion, and you get very few African-Americans pushed to the head of a card. How how was that growing up? Like, how did that shape who you are and what you do? By the way, you can say black, just so you know. I'm not going to get offended. I'm not from fucking Africa. No African has ever come up to me and been like, my brother, we're taking you home. So you can say black. It's okay. Um, no, uh, I, don't, I don't personally know you, so I'm trying to... You know, I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to offend you, but I, I'm okay. No, there's nothing that's going to offend me. You can fuck my mother and it wouldn't offend me. I'd just be like, hey, make sure you pay first. <laughs> oh, my but, God. But, um, like, like growing up, he has to take his 20%. <laughs> exactly. Oh. Like, uh, growing up, race really didn't even, I didn't even think twice about it kind of thing. Like, I didn't understand until I was a grown-up why people like the Junkyard Dog never held a championship or why uh, Ron Simmons only was like a short, like wasn't really as big of a star as he should have been, you know, things like that. But nowadays I look at it like, yes, there is racism in wrestling, but not on the independent level. On the independence, it's pretty much who's the best worker. Once in a while, yeah, you do need like, with certain gimmicks where it's like you couldn't have the nation of domination with four white guys and one black dude. It wouldn't work out too well. But you could have it with four black dudes and Owen Hart, and it works amazingly. So, but, but like, as far as racing is, on the main stage, like TNA, WWE, yes, because they've even, they've even kind of admitted we go for certain people with certain looks if we've already got, if we've already, like they said it on Soul Diva's Best, we've already got, a good-looking, kind of Latina-ish-looking brunette, and the Bella Twins. Eva Marie, you're going to have to dye your hair red. Things like that, where it's like, clearly it's racist, but they're doing it for, quote-unquote, their business sense. And that makes sense to me, but at the same time, it's like, look, if someone's a hard worker, they're getting over with the fans, who gives a shit what they look like? Uh, Kevin Steen is the prime example. I'm in no way, shape, or form shooting on Kevin Steen. I don't want that can of worms open. I'm saying it like... You wouldn't think that someone like Kevin Steen would be as big of a star as he is if you look at him. If I saw Kevin Steen walking down the street, I'd be like, hey, there's some pudgy guy just walking down the street with a beard. He looks like every pudgy guy with a beard. But once he's in that ring, he's an amazing talent. He's great on the mic. So why should it matter that he's got a beer gut? Who cares? Dusty Rhodes had a beer gut, and he was more over than most people are. True. You're 100% right, man, and I, I never, like I said, my mother was a hippie, so I never, you know, I didn't notice a difference. I actually didn't really run across actual racism until I moved to the South. Uh, grow, well, I grew up just outside south. of the Philippines. Uh, well, I live, I live in Florida, in a rural area of Florida. Not Florida the, doesn't uh, count as the South. Florida is not the South. Let's don't don't get that <laughs> twisted. Florida is part of the North. It might be the most southern state, but it is not part of the South. 
the South oh, stops me, at Georgia. Let me let me put it to you this way, then. Coming from out, just living outside of Philadelphia, a major metropolitan northeast area, and moving to a rural area in a place like Florida, it's a 180-degree turn. You know, the, oh, yeah, definitely. Turn, definitely. And they, they do cling to the old perceptions, to the old, you know, and you may say, may say it's not the South, and I'm not offended. I'm not a local Floridian. I just happen to live here. I still consider myself a Pennsylvanian. Um, they still cling to the old Dixie and the redneck mentality, and you know. And I didn't actually know know of that until I moved down here, up in Pennsylvania. It wasn't about that. It was you got your poor people, your middle class people, and your rich people. The poor people didn't matter if they were white, black, purple, or green. You know, they were all together, and you know they would group together. The middle class would hang with the middle class. The, the richer people would hang with the richer people. It was more of a social economical divide instead of a racial divide, which you see more down in this area. And I'm sure some of the areas that you know you go through wrestling in that you know in that area, it's more of a racial divide instead of an economical divide as well. Well, and yeah, and that's like that's a whole another monster. Like that's a whole another can of worms if you really want to get into that. Because like I'm a huge political person. Like, and I don't mean wrestling mm-hmm. politics. I'm talking like American politics, world politics. Right. Like I follow every major news story and all that. So like things where right now I believe that yes, there is very much still racism in this country. And I even say this because half your listeners just sat there and went, oh well. He thinks that all black pe- or all white people are racist towards black people, which proves racism. And then the other half are going, yeah, white people are fucking racist. It's like that also proves racism. But I think there's a bigger war brewing, and it's like you said, it's between the top 3% of the country who have the billions upon billions upon billions of dollars versus everybody else. Like I'm a firm believer in raising the minimum wage. I'm a firm believer in if you have 50 employees under you, all those employees are working their ass off for you, why shouldn't they get a little bit more money? Why shouldn't you help them out? If, I, if, I'm, a boss of a, if I'm a boss of a company and I'm making $100,000 a year easily with no bonuses, that's enough food to feed me. And I got all these employees in here that are making minimum wage. I can't sit there and take $10,000 a year less out of my paycheck just to make sure that they can actually have food on their table and not have to do things like go on food stamps or go get welfare and all that stuff like that. That's the easiest way to stop welfare is just to sit there and go, hey, you made a billion dollars a year. You mind if we get a million of it? You're not even going to fucking notice. Let's just take this. Let's pay off the debts. Let's get welfare give. Let's get rid of welfare. Let's get rid of all these other social programs just because you want to keep another $1 million every single year. And, you know, not to get too far, because this is, you know, this is a wrestling show, but I agree Absolutely. with you. Rich get richer and the poor get poorer and the divide gets bigger every year. And it's really a shame because once you hit, once you hit a billion dollars, once you hit $20, $30 million, really – what are you doing other than just patting your numbers and stroking your own ego at that point? Exactly. Like, I could pick up a Coke habit and still couldn't spend $20 million in a year. <laughs> but you have a hell of a time trying. 
Exactly. But I still couldn't spend it all. Even if I tried. I couldn't do Brewster's millions. I couldn't spend a million dollars in a year without keeping some of it. It'd be impossible. I'd go crazy. <laughs> well, if you ever run for office, Tommy, I'm voting for you. Oh, Just please saying. don't. I'd go corrupt in a heartbeat. <laughs> I'd be taking bribes. I'd be the mayor of Charlotte. I'm taking bribes from everybody. I don't care. <laughs> Well, you know, at least you're honest. Everybody wants to say they got morals, but we all know we'd sell out. You put $100 million in front of somebody, they're selling out. Exactly. It's not selling out at that point. It's really not selling out. It's making sure what's best for you and your family at that point. That means your next five generations are going to have money. Exactly. Like Bill Gates is the prime example. Bill Gates leaves 10% of his money to his kids when he dies. The, under, the other 90% goes to charity. you know how much his kids are still going to get? $300 million apiece. Good exactly. Lord. Jesus. And the interest on that alone, you couldn't spend that much money in the week that you make interest on it. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I tell you but what, boys, let's go. Let's let's um, appearance on the sleeve show. Oh wow, and we're gonna bring that up. Really, yes. we're gonna talk about that. Yes, we okay. are. And um, you know, little sleeves, you know, interviewed you, and um, I have to say, Tommy, I was a little disappointed in your patty cake game. Um, I, I really think you. Need I'm to sorry, I don't have kids. That. I don't have kids. I don't play patty cake on the regular. Like, she's, like, the only, like, I interact with, like, three children. Oh, oh, and here's the kicker. The whole Cedric thing is because the first time she met myself and Cedric, she looks at us and goes, are you two brothers? And Mm -hmm. we're both looking at her like, hold up, please. Why why does she think we're brothers? Is this a black thing? And she's like, no, it's because you both have beards because we both have facial hair. So it was like, okay. We're instantly fans of you. You've got our undivided attention. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah, the next time I see Pet- I'll... Cedric, I'm going to ask him, will he play patty cake with me? <laughs> he may or may not do it. It depends on his mood that day. It depends on if the baby kept him up all night. <laughs> this, or, or I have a Caleb Conley shirt on. Yeah, or if you have a Caleb Conley shirt <laughs> I think you might you but, might need to teach Tommy how to play so the next time he's on the sleeve show, he's got the game down. There you go. Oh. Next time. Speaking of, speaking of Caleb and Cedric, I just want to say they are part of the reason why I'm in this business. Most people don't know this, but and I'm going to break a little bit of kayfabe here, but these guys train together. Like one of my first of wrestling matches that I ever saw, like live and in person, was a training session between Caleb and uh, Cedric with um, George South as their referee. And this was during their training. And they went 35 minutes, just back-to-back, all-chain wrestling, all, like, not even, not, not, not the jumping off the road stuff, all-chain, all grappling, wow. all different moves for 35 straight minutes. And it was just, it was one of those things where I was like, these guys are working their asses off. The least I can do is try to put them over kind of thing. Like, if you got guys that are going to go this hard in training, imagine what people are going to do in the ring. Exactly, and that's what they do every time they get in the ring. 
like, I'm not afraid to say it. Cedric is by far one of my favorite wrestlers out there today. And personally, he's a good friend of mine. And I'm not saying it because he's a friend. I'm saying it like I didn't know him, and I was already becoming a fan of his. So it's just one of those things. Cedric's a great there's, guy, there's, even though he gives me a hard time about Caleb. He's still a great guy. <laughs> well, then maybe you should buy a Cedric Alexander shirt then. I do have a Cedric Alexander shirt. He made me wear it. I run up on Caleb. I got to take that off because I have a Caleb Conley shirt on. It was just a big mess. But um, I do, <laughs> I do have a caller in queue that wants to talk to you, Tommy. And I think you're going to find this interesting. So hold on just a second. Please, are you there? Tommy Thomas. Hey, Eric, what's up, buddy? What's up, my brother? Yeah, not much, um, man. For those of you who don't know, me and Eric are actually good friends in real life. Like, that's that's no kayfabe. That's not a work. That's legit. Like, I actually do talk to this guy every single time I see him. I hang out with him all the time at shows. Like, because we live far apart, so we don't get to, like, we can't just be like, hey, dude, I'm coming over real quick. But anytime we were both at a show together, it's Tommy and Sleaze and Little Sleaze. And then once in a while, Dean's there, too, to kiss our asses. <laughs> Very true story about that one. Uh, no, I was actually calling to uh, tell everybody a little backstory behind me and you, uh, because I won't forget the first time I actually really became a manager Tommy Thomas fan. And that was actually my first ever PWX show when me, you, Dean, Mama C, and Thomas Simpson hit the town before a show, got a little inebriated, got a little drunk. A little little? Are you kidding me? A little bit? We were loaded. Oh, yeah, we were, <laughs> we were trash. And then I'm sitting there, and Tommy Thomas comes out with worst-case scenario and and cuts one of the most craziest promos I've ever seen on on Steve Carino at that. And I just sat there, and I was like, Tommy Thomas is going to be the shit. I knew right then when you handed your bottle over to Steve Carino and ma- said, make yourself relevant – for the first time since I don't remember exactly what you said, but I just sat there and I went. I almost dropped my beer. I was like, what the hell did he just say to Steve Carino? Well, and, like, the great thing about that is it's like that was my – that was officially, like, the first real time I was on the PWX roster. Like, before that, I worked a dark match under another gimmick as Malik Stratton, and I worked against Craig Huffman in a squash match. Beat me in three minutes – it wasn't pretty. It was just an all-around beating. And they were like, okay, well, you can bump, so we like you. Come back tomorrow night at an Evo show, and we'll see what we'll do there. Next night rolls around. I go to Evo. They're like, okay, well, you're going to wrestle Chase Brown in a dark match. Another squash. And I was like, okay, cool, whatever. I'm just happy to be here, guys. You know, I haven't, I've been doing this for a year and a half at this point. I'm just happy to freaking be in the building. So... Midway through, they are like, okay, well, we're going to change it. You're not going to be wrestling Chase anymore. We're going to have you manage this tag team that we have. We don't really have anything to do for them right now. And we all know who the tag team is. They're the greatest tag team on the planet right now, Ethan Case, Elijah Evans IV, the worst-case scenario. And the rest is kind of history. But to fast forward to what Eric's talking about, the first official night with PWX, before the show, I wasn't booked on the card. 
So I'm like, okay, I'm not booked in the car, and I help set up the ring. So they're like, yeah, go out and have some fun. Do you. So I'm like, okay, go out with Eric and Thomas Simpson and, of course, Steve's mom, Mrs. C, Mother C, and we all go out to the bar. We decide to have a few drinks because, once again, none of us are working that night. So we get completely belligerently drunk. <laughs> and we get back to the arena, and it's at, a hunt for, it's at a Hunt for the Gold. And the thing is about Hunt for the Gold, it's a tag team tournament, but it's all a shoot tournament. Literally, the fans pick the teams out of a hat. Like, if that's not a work, 100% shoot. The fans literally pick the name out of the hat, Okay, uh, we have this person, and they're going to team with reaching the hat, this person, and then they're going to face and then reach into the hat again. Then backstage, we flipped a coin to see who would go over. So if it hadn't been, yeah, like, that's how shoot it was. Like, everything was done on the fly. There was no time to plan a match. There was no nothing. You literally, we walked in, and they were like, all right, guys, go out there. you got to go work. Well, how are you supposed to work? Call it in the ring. Well, okay, well, shit, let's do this. So um, the thing was, though, Ethan and Eli and Carino didn't get partnered up with each other. So the rule was if Ethan, Eli, and Carino all lost in the first round, we'd do a promo together where Carino would interview me and them. So we're all sitting there thinking, what are the odds that all three teams are going to lose in the first round, especially because it's a coin flip? Sure as shit. All three teams lost in the first round, and Carino's like, hey, uh, Tommy, do you have a suit? Uh, yes, sir, I do. All right, go put it on. you got to cut a promo in five minutes. Oh, shit. Um, uh, is that – I'm a little bit – whatever, I don't care. Get your suit on. We need five minutes worth of promo. Get ready. And then the rest is history. I walked out from behind that curtain, and – the rest, like I said, handed him my water bottle and said, make yourself relevant and hold my water. And by the way, Steve Carino, thank you to Steve Carino. Yeah, I grew up watching him, and I was such a big fan of his that, like, I almost had a mental breakdown walking out from behind that curtain because I was like, it's one of those things where it's like you watch somebody for so long, you know so much about them, and they don't know a single thing about you except for your name. And ever since then, I do consider Mr. Steve a great friend in this business, and I will forever thank him for that and for putting me with Worst Case Scenario because that was one of his ideas. Well, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I know. Like, it literally was if, if Eli, Ethan, or Carino had won in the first round, this would never have happened. No. And, and that just goes to show you that everything happens for a reason. Exactly. Like, that's why I'm so blessed to be with Ethan and Eli. I genuinely love those guys. And, like, and people think that, like, it's all the work whenever I say that they're the man. No. You can check my text messages. You can check my Facebook messages. I send them a message almost every day telling them how much I appreciate having them as clients because I hate to say it, you kind of have to believe the gimmick in order for the gimmick to work. I believe that Ethan and Eli are the best tag team on the independent circuit. I have to believe that because the minute I don't, all of you people will notice and you'll, like, you will sit there and break my eyes out like there's no tomorrow the minute that I don't believe that they are the best tag team anymore. Well, I mean, you even applaud them when they tag. So, I mean, I know exactly. that the best thing. I believe it's a good tag. I believe they make great tags. They do. 
that little fist bump thing they do, that's a great tag. It is. Yeah, I, I totally. I, I'm a total uh, worst case scenario fan, and I, I do want to ask you a question because, you know, I'm sitting there front row on stage at Ziggy's, um, cheering on you in worst case scenario, and here you come, and you're heading to the back, and Rachel and I are sitting together, and we're getting ready to tell you what a good job you do, and do you remember what you said to us? I probably don't. It's normally a big blur when I'm out there, honestly. like People think it's weird, but I don't remember anything about what happens during a match until I watch the match back on film. You threatened to slap our mouths. Well, then you can't get near me during a match. That's what happened. Just like I'll hit a child if a child gets near me during a match. Everyone thinks that's a joke. Like, I'll hit a child. Oh, he's so funny. Let's see what happens when a child actually touches me. Let's see if I don't swing on him. We didn't touch you. We were sitting, minding our own business. You came up on the stage. Well, then don't try to say hey to me while I'm I'm walking. I walk very powerfully. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And I, I will take that into consideration next time. See, oh, and why does a Florida guy drive up from Florida and come see a show? I mean, I'm sure he doesn't have a wife or a family or anything. He sounds too beautiful for women to actually want to touch him. So why wouldn't he just drive up for a show? Well, uh, he I does have a wife. Train on the card, baby. <laughs> well, I'm, actually, I'm actually planning on doing that sometime this year. It's uh, I, I I have a day job, so it's a matter of being able to get enough time off of the day job to to make basically the day trip up and back. But I hey, just so you know, to... professional eating is not a day job. That's just going to a restaurant and shutting it down. That's not a day job. No, no, that, that's my night job. I have a day oh, job as well. Special eating for night. <laughs> I, I was actually gonna I was gonna ask you about that. Does a does ISIS have room for professional eaters? I mean, no, I think no you might we be do not. Unless your name is Kobayashi, eating is not sports entertaining. Well, I've I, I seen the commercial, man, and it sold me. I wanted to be an ISIS client, and a, that, that was something I was wanting to mention with you. Are we going to see any new, new ISIS? clients coming up here in the short future. Okay, I'll, I'll ask you guys this. Do, do you want the work answer or do you want the shoot answer? Um, we want whichever answer you think would be best. No, no, I'm asking you. It's your show. I'm just, I'm your guest. So it's your show. If you want the work answer or the shoot answer, just let me know. Let's do, let's do the shoot answer. Why not? Well, then the shoot answer is, we don't have anybody. Like, everyone in PWX has things to do. So finding new clients is kind of hard because, like, you got guys that are like, well, we need to phase of this person, and we got to test out our skills against this person, and da-da-da-da-da. And we have all the fans that want to see all these great matches that we have going. So it's kind of hard just to sit there and go, hey, I know you've got a match against so-and-so who you want to work, but, hey, come with us for the night, and let's see if you want to work with us. And people are like, well, like, half the guys want to work with us just because they like us. And I, like I said, backstage, we're over. Everyone loves us, and I'm not gloating. I'm just saying it like because me, Ethan, and Eli, we're all really nice people. We all, like, we hang out with all the guys. We sit there. We shoot the shit with them. Unlike a lot of guys who just show up, this is the paycheck. 
let me work my match and leave. Like, we're like, we're happy to be here. We enjoy doing this. We enjoy the camaraderie of the locker room. This is a brotherhood with girls in it, but it's still a brotherhood. So, like, we love it. But it's just hard to sit there and tell somebody, hey, you can wrestle this person tonight one-on-one and get all your shine in, or you can work a six-man tag with us and split your shine three different ways. So it's kind of one of those things where, like, a lot of people don't like doing six-man tags because they don't get over in six-man tags. So. I see. I would do a six-man tag in a heartbeat. It is what it is. Like I said, the guys that want to work with us, we are glad to work with them. Like Mia Yim, prime example. We were happy to have her. She just wasn't – things just didn't work out too well. You know, you've seen the tape. Things didn't work out too well, but we were glad to have her on because she was like, I wanted to test my skills against more men. Let's see what I can do. And she can go against a man. You know, she wrestled uh, Chase Brown. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Like, Stephanie and Chase are two – I'm sorry, Mia and Chase are two amazing talents. Like, I love Mia – and I love Chase. Like, they're both they're great people to have in the locker room. And Mia is such an amazing wrestler. And Chase taught me, like, the little bit I know about how to technically wrestle. I don't mean, like, technically. I mean, like, technical wrestling. Like, I right. learned from Chase Brown. Chase is another person to help train me because he was the best technical wrestler around. So they were like, all right, Chase, teach Tommy how to how to do chain wrestling and catch wrestling and all that stuff. None of it took, clearly. But, but like, Chase is great at what he does. Me is an amazing talent. I can't wait to watch her in the WWE one day. If they get rid of these cookie-cutter divas and let real women like Mia and um, cheerleader Melissa, if they get Sarah Del Rey out of the training place and actually put her in a freaking ring where she deserves. I mean, I get it. She can train all these girls, but she can train and wrestle at the same time. Very By the way, how about you women Like, I'm a huge women's wrestling fan. Like, most people don't realize me working with Amber O'Neill was an amazing experience for me because I was a fan of Amber before I even showed up. So, like, working with her, and she knows it. And, like, Amber's a good friend of mine. Her and Doc are. And, like, they know how big of fans I am of hers because, like, whenever, like, they gave me a ride home one day after a show, it's like me, Doc, and Amber in the car together. And, like, and I'm sitting there talking the whole time about how amazing Amber is, and Doc's like, you really are a fan of hers. And I'm like, absolutely, man. Like, she's a great freaking worker. Like, she knows how to work that crowd. Like, nobody's business. And I agree with you, man. I, I, I think we're well past that age. And I think it goes back to a little bit what we touched on earlier about preconceived notions and what bookers want to book. Um, I think you see more in the Indies. You see more women getting a chance to shine. Girls like Mischief, girls like Lucesto. The ones that you yeah, mentioned, exactly. uh, but then you get up, you get up to the WWE, and they want total divas. They don't exactly. want Sarah Del Rey, who, who by far, in the last fifteen years, man or woman, I would put Sarah Del Rey as one of the top ten wrestlers in the business. Oh yeah, she is an absolutely amazing talent. Like and like whenever uh, 
Like, I met cheerleader Melissa a couple of years, or not a couple of years ago. I don't know why I'm talking that far. But, like, a couple of months ago when she worked for PWX, my job was to, for lack of a better term, chauffeur her around, get her acquainted with the city, get her acquainted with the crew, because you have to kind of do that. Like, the thing most people don't realize about the indies is you have the core group of guys who are there at every single show. And then you've got the outsiders who come in. And it's not like people don't like the outsiders, but, like, the outsiders are normally bigger stars, and most people are kind of intimidated to talk to them just because it's like, wow, this is a person who I've watched for so long who I've admired, and now I'm here with them. And I'm one of those people, I don't understand, like, it's something genetic in me personally where I don't understand that line where it's like, all right, this is your boss who makes $100 million a year. You were the bottom peg, so why would you be talking to your boss who makes $100 million a year kind of thing? Like, I talked to everybody, so my job was to get them acquainted, and I even told her, I was like, her, Sarah Del Rey, um, right now, Emma, or I'm sorry, Emma and Paige from NXT, AJ Lee, they're all some of the best female workers on the planet, and they should be in the main events of all these WWE programs. I mean, not the main event, but the main women's matches, instead of it being like, all right, let's throw six divas in here and do a couple of spots and just play to the fans, and then we're going to call it a day and wrap it up in three minutes. No, like, uh, prime example, TNA, where they had Mickey James versus Tara in a steel cage for the main event. I marked out for that match. They let them go for 30 minutes in a cage for the main event. That's an absolutely unheard of thing. And I freaked out when I saw it because I was like, this is amazing to see two great workers actually having a match and getting their shine in the main event as opposed to being treated like women who happen to wrestle. See, and, and my opinion is this. I think you're cutting off a sizable amount of your fan base. You can build, if you build women's wrestling, the simple, the simple factor is look at MMA. I don't know if you're an MMA fan or not, but look at yeah. Ronda Rousey in M- MMA. She's one of the biggest stars in MMA. They build pay-per-views around her. You could exactly. build a pay-per-view around a page. You can build a pay-per-view around an AJ Lee. Like you said, um, Mickey James, Gail Kim, Cheerleader Melissa, Sarah Del Rey. There's so many women that you can put that'll make your men look like they're absolutely nothing. And and I, I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me because you could have these and you could draw in those fans. You can make a little girl want to go buy action figures instead of Barbie dolls. I, and, and I'll say it like this, the draw back to the whole racism thing that you played up. I'll say it like this. Martin Luther King would be rolling over in his grave right now if he saw how black people are acting right now. Just like I'm pretty sure Moolah is probably rolling over in her grave with the way that they're treating women's wrestling nowadays. I totally agree with you, my friend. And, uh, it's like, you know, it's really a shame. It's, it's like there's money that could be made that they don't want to make. It, it, it's just stupid to and I will say this much, though. It's partially on the fans, though, because – and I will say it like this. And maybe it's because now I'm at that point where, like, I work in this business. So I look at people – like, I look at everyone backstage as a dude. I don't – when I see Mia Yim, I don't see, oh, hot Asian chick. I see that's another worker right there. When I met cheerleader Melissa, it's not, oh, dude, that's that hot chick, cheerleader Melissa. No, 
that's cheerleader Melissa, the worker. So maybe it's going to look at it like that, but a lot of the fans still look at it as, oh, even if they can work, there's still two hot chicks just going at it. And it's like, no, you have to look at what they're actually doing in the ring. It's not just all screams and grunts. This isn't a sex show. This is wrestling. So give them a little bit of respect. Don't get up and go to the bathroom because, oh, it's the women's match. Or don't sit there and whistle the whole time because, oh, wow, she shook her booty a little bit. It is what it is. Guys shake their booty in the ring all the time. I don't hear whistling whenever Zane lifts up his shirt and puts somebody under it. I don't hear whistling. I hear cheers. So why not if someone like Amber O'Neill does a booty bump, why are you whistling the whole time when she's sitting there breaking somebody's nose? She broke Zane Riley's nose during a match doing the booty bump. Exactly. Well, well I think you're not listening to Laura if you're not hearing the whistles because she, she whistles and cat calls them and quite often. Well, that's different. That's because Caleb's in the ring, and I don't think she can control herself. Like, we've thought about calling police, like, during some of his Amber. matches, just get her away from him. Well, you know, um, at the last Ziggy show, I was standing up cheering him. He was standing on uh, a row in behind me, and one of my fellow friends was screaming so loudly that I needed to touch him. You could probably, when you when it's on TV, you can probably hear Mike over the uh, over Caleb's music screaming for me to touch him. And I turn around and there's Amanda, and I'm like, oh no. And uh, she goes, you can't touch him. And I was like, oh, not that I was going to anyway, but it was kind of funny. And I do want to say something real quick. We're going to go over a little bit tonight, folks. So we've got about three minutes left of Live I'm sorry, time. guys. My bad. <laughs> You're not. No, no. It's it's totally fine. No, no, no. I'm not going to cut no, you off or anything. But um, extended to make you want to download the podcast. Exactly. You can you listen wouldn't. to us on iTunes, or you can hear us on uh, the Blog Talk Radio. But if you're listening live via phone, it's going to cut off. Sorry about that. It's just the way Blog Talk is. But I wanted to tell everybody that before it happened, and everybody like, what had just happened? But, yeah, yeah. So um, they've not thought about calling the police on me, Ziggy. So, no, I don't think so. Oh, you don't know, but back to for all, like, make sure Laura doesn't get near Caleb. Just make sure she stays away from him. Oh, so is that why he asked me to be in his web show the other week? Is that why? Yeah, okay. Hey, hey, we have police there. You just didn't see them. They were just in case you tried to do something crazy. In case you tried to go all Drew Barrymore at a grunge club. Like, in case you tried to pull back. Oh. <laughs> You're going to give me this reputation, Tommy, that I don't deserve. Well, hey, hey, whoa, whoa, I'm not giving you a reputation. I'm just stating fact. If Caleb Conley showed up at your house naked right now, tell me you wouldn't get a you wouldn't get a certain charge thrown against you if that happened. Well, you can't say stuff like that, Tommy. You're going to get me in trouble. Okay, wait, wait. so let's say he shows up at your front door. Hey, I just crashed my car in front of your house, and all my clothes got burned off in a fire. That's why I'm naked. I guarantee you, you're going to get a Ben Roethlisberger-esque charge on your record. Like, people are going to be like, hey, man, Lauren's on that Kobe Bryant stuff right there. Hey, hey, watch out, man. The last manager that mentioned Kobe Bryant in the Colorado case, we've seen what happened with him. 
Oh, oh can, can, wait, can I talk about this for just one minute? Can I, one minute. I just want to get on my soapbox. Very rarely is there is a time where I feel flustered, and one of those times I felt flustered was a couple of nights ago. I'm watching Raw, and a friend of mine made the comment, man, I really hate Triple H and Stephanie. It's going to suck when you work for them one day. And my immediate thought was, holy shit. There's really, like, a legitimate chance that one day I could really work for Stephanie McMahon and Triple H. And, like, it's one of those things where it's like, as a fan, you're thinking of it like, oh, it's only mark out moment, yay. But then as a worker, you're like, wait a minute, this shit just got real. Like, it just got very real that one day I'm literally watching the person that's going to be signing my checks on TV. Like, that's a scary freaking thought. Like, that really is a nerve-wracking freaking thought. Well, I think you better get used to it because as we see more and more managers getting be, getting used again, it's only a matter of time before they look to the Indies for the best managers around, and you're probably one oh, well, of them, not best. So it's only a well, matter of time, looking, my friend. If they're looking at ROH, they're not going to find me there because – between us and clearly, like, the ten people listening to this, ROH doesn't want me. ROH has made it kind of apparent that they are not looking for managers whatsoever. They have Truth, and they have Maria, and they have Brutal Bob. And Brutal Bob's a worker, Truth's a worker, and Maria's a worker. I'm the only person there that's genuinely trying to be a manager. And clearly, I'm not there yet, but they know who I am, and I know who they are kind of thing. But once again, they've even said, they're like, we're not really looking for managers right now. They're like, we love worst-case scenario, but we're not looking for managers. And it's one of those things where it's like, so you need me to go back and become a worker just so I can prove that I can talk on a microphone and interfere in a match. And, and, yeah, and you know, it's a real thing. It's, it's, it's back to that, to that backwards thinking that, that uh, permeates some of the wrestling promotions out there. I mean, if you look, just go back 20 years. If you look at guys like you said, you had Freddie Blassie on the show, Bobby Heenan, Jimmy Hart, Oliver Humperdinck. Um, the list goes on and on. You'd have five to ten different managers in a promotion at a time, all managing different guys, and the manager would get the wrestler over more than the wrestler could ever do himself. Exactly. And I'm not saying worst case wouldn't get over without me. Like, everyone has said that to me, and it genuinely offends me when people say, worst case won championships because of you. No, worst case would have won a championship eventually. I just made it happen a couple of months sooner than it would have because I have that loud, booming voice, and everyone wants to hear what I have to say, and I'm not tooting my own horn. I'm just saying it like, I understand that I have a way with words and a way with people that people want to hear what I have to say, even if they hate everything I'm saying. You know, like, you know honestly, and I, honestly I, I look at it like this. Um, worst case, yes, they'd get over without you and you'd get over without them. But I look at it like the Midnight Express. You see the Midnights without Jim Cornette, it's not the same. And you see Jim Cornette without the Midnights. He's not the same. I think you guys fit in that kind of role. That you found the perfect mix of client and manager. Oh, absolutely. Because that's what we're trying to do. And it doesn't hurt that, like, I genuinely consider Ethan and Eli friends. Like, the running 
gag backstage between all of us and our little group is we're because every wrestling federation has their own version of the click. Ever since Shawn Michaels and Diesel and Triple H and Scott Hall all coined that whole that every fed's got that, and I hate to say it, but in PWX, I'm not going to say any names, but I'm like myself, Ethan, and Eli are part of the click where it's like, Oh yeah, we're that group of guys that like we all hang out outside of shows. We eat together. Like Ethan and Eli sleep at a certain person's house and they hang out with them. And like, if there's other shows that we're all on, we're all hanging out backstage together. And it's not like we're away from everyone. It's just, we have that rapport with each other. We're such good friends. And most people don't understand. You can have friends in this freaking business. You just, you have to know who your friends are and hope that your friends won't screw you over one day. Like I'm betting on the fact that even Eli don't screw me over. And I, it sounds, it sounds rude. It sounds absurd, but I'm literally just banking on the fact that our friendship will remain intact so much that like, no matter who gets called up first, because we've even had that conversation. If one of us gets called up to the next level, no one's going to be mad about it. If Ethan gets called up today to ROH, me and Eli aren't going to get upset. If Eli gets called up, me and Ethan aren't going to get upset. Like, it's just one of those things where we have to kind of bet on each other that we have to be men about this. We have to be friends about this. No matter what, we just have to want everybody else to be successful, even if we're kind of failing at our own success. I don't think I've ever heard a wrestler say that. You know, I've never heard it come out of a wrestler's mouth. Well, like, I'm trying to change wrestling. Like, I hate to say it, but I know I'm one person, and one person can't change the world, or he can try, but he he normally can't. But I'm trying to change the wrestling game where everyone's kind of not trying to – I get that it's a competition. We are all at each other's throats. Like, prime example, me and Joey Nuggs. Joey Nuggs isn't a fan of mine because I took his spot. I didn't want to take Joey Nuggs' spot. I happened to take it because they thought I was better. I don't have any ill will towards him. If he came back and took my spot, I would not hate him for it. It meant that he beat me fair and square. This is a competition. As much as wrestling is a quote-unquote fictional sport, it very much is a competition. You're not going over because you're – because, oh, well, we just feel like you should go over today. It's you're going over because this is real life, a competition backstage and with these fans of – who they like more. And I, and it's one of those things where no matter who succeeds, as long as I consider them a friend or someone who I care about in this business, I'm happy for their success. I want them to make it better. With Mr. Sleaze, if Mr. Sleaze got picked up today by the WWE and he just, and he was like, yeah, dude, I'm going to the E, I wouldn't be like, oh, man, fuck him. He doesn't deserve it. I'd go, dude. I'm so happy that you made it. You did something that none of us have done yet. Please, dude, I hope you have continued success. Because in 20 years down the road, that locker room is going to be filled with the same people who we're seeing on the indies right now. It's like they always say, there's always that new generation. After Shawn Michaels, there was this whole other generation. After that generation, there's a whole other one. I look at it like I'm part of this next generation that's coming up. Why would I want everyone to hate me? Why would I want to hate everyone if I plan on seeing these guys again five years down the road in the locker room? It makes no sense to me. But that's just me personally. I'm a crazy person. Well, you can't burn bridges well, you like know, that, you know? You know what You know what it honestly sounds like? And, and a lot of people in the in wrestling business are very paranoid 
it sounds like you're a man that's confident in his own talents that you're not offended or you're not threatened by someone that's just as talented. Kind of like what, and and I know we pick on Laura for the Caleb Conley thing. We, You know, there are a lot of men that hate Caleb because he's a pretty boy, because they're, you know, jealous or whatever it may be. You come off as someone that, that doesn't have that in you, that you, you know, you're so, you're confident in your own abilities that you don't have to worry about if somebody else makes it. That doesn't stop you from making it. They just happen to make it first. Well, exactly. Like, my, my parents always raised me, or my grandparents always raised me with the whole aspect of if you're minding your own business, it should never matter what other people do. If you're working on you, what other people are doing should never, ever affect what you're doing. Because the minute that happens, the minute, and it's the problem with most wrestling promoters, they sit there and they look at, oh, well, this promotion's doing this and they're getting over. We've got to start doing this too. No. If you've got the right thing that you're doing, focus on you. Eventually, you will get over. It's like they say, you're in this business for long enough, you don't burn a lot of bridges, you'll eventually make it to the next level. It doesn't matter how long it takes. It might take longer than other times, but as long as you're actually worried about what you're doing and not what everybody else is, You'll make it. Exactly. Exactly, man. That's a wonderful episode to have. I worry about Ethan and Eli because they're my clients. So if they're sitting there doing something I don't like, I'm going to sit there and say, guys, we're married. I'm like, it sounds it sounds crazy, but me, Ethan, and Eli have even admitted we're like, this is a marriage between the three of us. We're, we're, our careers are forever tied to each other. If I make it to the next level, if they make it, people are always going to say, oh, well, it was always e- Ethan, Eli, and Tommy. It's right. always going to have that connection. So if they're doing something horrible, like if all of a sudden one of us becomes, like, for lack of a better term, like a freaking, like, murderer or something, we go all O.J. Simpson, then in that case, it's linked to them. People are always going to remember Al Cowlings for being with O.J. Simpson, just like people would always remember them for being with me. So I'm saying it like I have to worry about them, but for outside of them, I don't worry about what anyone's doing. What Cedric's doing, even though he's a friend of mine, if he's doing something, I let Cedric do Cedric because that's none of my freaking business. Well, I think you need to write, like, books, Tommy, and I'm being very serious because, I mean, if the world – more people in the world would adhere to what you just said in the last two minutes, the world would be a better place. Well, I mean, but that's the problem. The world isn't a good place. It's a very, very bad place just with a couple of good people in it. And that's the other problem. People don't realize there's other good people in the world. Everyone thinks that wrestlers are all assholes and jerks. When people meet me, they have no idea I work in wrestling. They're like, you don't come across as, like, the wrestling type. And I'm like, I pull up photos of my phone. I actually have to have photos saved on my phone to prove what I do. Like, when I'm like, yeah, I go to shows every weekend, I travel around, you know, the state, go do shows. Wait, really? Well, yeah, here's some photos. Well, you don't seem like a dick, and you don't seem like you're roided out, and you don't seem like you're angry. Well, that's because not every wrestler is a dickhead who's roided out and angry. Some of us are just regular people. We have regular lives. We go home to our families. A lot of the guys have wives and kids. I don't have any of that shit, thank God. But a lot of the guys do, like, like. Uh, prime example, Eli planned to marry his wife and then planned both of his children. And congratulations, by the way, to Eli. His wife is currently pregnant with their second child. So, like, oh. But it was all planned out because Eli's like, no, because I know wrestling might not ever 
be a forever thing. Like, there's a chance that I could break my leg tonight and never be able to work in wrestling ever again. So, of course, I've got to have this normal life outside of it. So I look at it like that. Like, wrestling is everything to me, but at the same time, I understand there's more to life than wrestling. It's keeping yourself happy and trying not to shit on everybody else around you at the same time. Wow. I'm serious. You need to start writing books. You need to start writing books. No, not really. Don't read them. It just be the ramblings of a crazy person. Well, that's what what most books are, though. Yeah, fair enough. It's politics, pretty much. (laughs) There you go. I mean, how many many people made television shows off of crazy people ramblings? I mean, that's half of what you It's true. Look at Fox News. There you go. (laughs) <laughs> I wasn't going to go there, man. And speaking of TV, I know I saw your uh, rant about the end of How I Met Your Mother. Oh, don't get me started. Okay. Most of you don't know this. I'm a tv file. Like, I watch a lot of TV, and everyone's like, well, do you watch Game of Thrones and Breaking Bad? No, they're not really my taste. But, like, I'm a big fan of sitcoms and The Walking Dead. So, like, How I Met Your Mother's finale made me so upset because they threw nine years of storyline down the drain in the last two minutes. They literally did the anonymous raw general manager storyline and then had Hornswoggle come out and be the raw general manager. <laughs> One of those things where it's like, well, none of this makes sense. Everything about nothing about what just happened. It doesn't make any sense. So I'm one of those people like, and just like in wrestling, I look at the psychology of things. Like if you're going to sit there and you're going to do a a backbreaker on the floor, that doesn't make any sense. Why would you do a backbreaker on the floor when you're breaking their back over your knee? A suplex, yes, because a suplex is harder than a mat, but not something simple like a backbreaker or a punch in the face. Oh, he punched him on the face on the floor and he didn't fall down. That doesn't hurt any more being punched in the floor than it does in the ring. Like, that makes no sense. I'm a big fan of psychology when it comes to stuff like that. We've talked about that on the show, about how there there is no ring psychology much anymore. And there really isn't. And, like, I was talking to a guy, and I'm not going to say his name on here because I don't want to blow up a spot like that, but I was talking to him, and he's another worker, and he was like, yeah, psychology is, like, the least important part of wrestling. And I was like, that might be true, but at the same time, with ad ring psychology, if you're not telling a story, who the shit cares? You can go out there and say, all right, this guy's a good guy, this guy's a bad guy, you should cheer for the good guy. No one's going to care unless the bad guy's doing bad guy stuff. No one's going to give a shit what D. Tommy Thomas is doing if they don't know, oh, wow, D. is clearly a bad person. If I'm not clearly grabbing someone's foot or choking them on the ropes, they're not going to know I'm a bad person. They're just going to assume, oh, he's just some guy out there that talks a lot of shit. It is what it is. But you got to have a little bit of psychology to it to where you can say, all right, I'm the baby, I'm the heel, let's tell a story of a good guy versus a bad guy because that's what everyone wants to see. That's, it's like um, someone, a wise man once told me every single story has ever been told. It's, there's seven different stories in life in general that have ever been told. Every other story after that is just a variation of that story. And it's pretty true. Like, look at an action movie. It's the same variation each time. You've got a good guy versus a bad guy. Look at a love story. You have a person who is really in love versus a person who's kind of afraid of love, so on and so forth. Every story's already been told. It's just your job to tell your version of that story. That is true. Yeah, and I agree. And I, I myself was disappointed with that. I find out 
finale as well. And, you know, they've they've had it recorded for seven years because, you know, the kids didn't grow. So they've had that swerve in there. It's almost like Russo wrote that show. They well, just uh, swerve. Uh, no, I actually used that analogy to a friend of mine that doesn't know anything about wrestling, and they thought I was crazy. I was like, I'm like man, it's almost like Russo booking. Like, And here's the thing about that show. Most people don't realize, yes, they filmed the finale seven years ago, but the show's been on for nine years. They reshot those scenes a couple of times. And the writers even said, well, originally that scene wasn't supposed to happen. It was originally supposed to be a whole other story, but the fans marked out for Ted and Robin so much that they had to rewrite it at the end of the first season and reshoot it because the kids were growing up so fast. Like they, even, like they admitted that that was not the original ending to the show. So I want to know what they really had planned. Like what was the original? Hmm. You know, fun a fun fact, and I, I don't want to go too far down this, like like we said a couple times, it is a wrestling show. Um, Absolutely. Did, did you know the daughter is actually one year younger than the mother on the show? The I don't I don't even know if they ever really said her real. I think they did say her her actual name, but the daughter from the couch in real life is only one year younger than the mother. Yes, like I'm a like I said, I'm a TV file. I watched the OC. She was on the OC as one of the children, just like the son is on Wizards of Waverly Place. Like they both stopped doing How I Met Your Mother because they were like, well, you guys aren't filming any new scenes with the exception of the reshoots, so we're going to go off and do other shows. And the writers are like, okay, we completely understand. And right now, uh, the guy from the son is a big star on the Disney Channel, and the daughter is kind of like she's big with the teen soap opera dramas and stuff like that, like the OC and 902. One knows she's been in a couple of those. Like it's just it's one of those things where just like just like wrestling, Hollywood's a crazy political business as well. After after nine years, that was definitely a letdown. Yeah, it's but, like and here's the thing: everyone's like, "Well, you're telling a story for nine years." No, technically, in storyline time, he's been telling them the story for like seven or eight hours. Because yeah. you got to think about it, he's going through line by line out loud. So it's really it's really not that long of a story, but at the same time, after nine years of watching it, you don't want to be ruined by two minutes. It's like it's like seeing Caleb versus Cedric. Do you guys watch that match, right? Of course. Yes. Okay. So it'd be like if at the end of Caleb versus Cedric, at the end of it, all of a sudden they'd ring the bell and go, Oh, this match is a draw. Like, while Caleb's got him in the O face and he's stomping Cedric's head, if the bell rang and they said, this match is a draw, you'd go, wait a minute, you just wrestled for 45 minutes, he has him in the O face, he's stomping his head, Caleb said, or I'm sorry, Cedric clearly out cold, and you're going to call it a draw all of a sudden? Well, I don't know, I've seen some good draws, I've seen some good draws in wrestling, so I don't... I understand where you're coming from. I would say it'd be more like if you had 45 minutes of them wrestling and in the last five minutes, Coco, Coco Beware joined the match and won the championship. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, exactly. I'll give you that. that exactly. Like, it's just one of those things where it's such a bad swerve that it doesn't make any sense. Like, there's been good swerves in wrestling, but that would be one of those ones where you're like, um, okay, I guess we have to accept this right now. And, and I, I think it's Russo. It was Russo booking, in my opinion. 
I, anytime I see a band where I always think of Russo, he, you know, he, he kind of tainted it with his WCW and TNA run that everything, whether it's TV, real life, anything, when I see take a band swerve, I always think of him. Well, I, I won't give I won't give Russo a lot of credit and the fact that like Russo want a beer? Uh I'll get one. And sorry, I had a buddy of mine walk by me and I'm drinking at a bar watching T V. Um no, I, um Russo was a great booker if he had somebody stopping him from making bad decisions. Because, like think about all the Russo storylines. Russo was the whole attitude era. Like, Russo okay. did a lot of storylines from the Attitude Era, and people don't realize that, and it's like, look, he had Vince, he had Vince sitting there telling him things to do, so, of course, it's going to be really good. Because you have somebody that's going, okay, this idea is good, this idea is good. This idea is batshit crazy, this idea is good. Exactly. In exactly. WCW and TNA, he didn't have anyone stopping him from doing anything crazy like that. Yeah, no filter. Yeah, like, and it's one of those things where it's just, it's kind of upsetting because it makes the business look so bad. And it's like I said, kayfabe's long been dead. I'm sorry, I hate to say it, kayfabe's long been dead. Everyone knows that I don't really hate the Bendejos. I'm actually good friends with both of them. I'm good friends with Mia. I love those guys, honestly. Everyone knows kayfabe's dead, but it's kind of hard to sit there and go, well, you loved them five minutes ago, or you hated them five minutes ago. How can you love them now? Well, because, unfortunately, this is a scripted drama. And it, I'm sorry, wrestling is a scripted drama. As much as I hate to say it, I am nothing more than a really horrible actor who once in a while gets hurt. And it's not an insult to anything in wrestling. It's not an insult to this business. I just look at it like, this isn't what it used to be. People aren't sitting there trying to actually maim each other in the ring. This isn't 1935. We don't actually have real grapplers who are sitting there putting legitimate chokeholds on people. If you want to see that, if you want to see two people hurt each other, go turn on a UFC fight. Go watch that. I don't want to right. see two people hurt each other. I want to see two people put on a phenomenal show, and I want to enjoy it. And, just, and that's another issue where I ordered a UFC pay-per-view a couple of months ago. Oh, thank you. And... Like, they had, five, they had five fights on it. Three of the fights ended in, like, the first round via, like, knockout or technical submission. I felt like shit for paying $60 for a pay-per-view that only had two good fights on it, as opposed to a wrestling pay-per-view where I know for a fact every match is going to go at least 15 minutes. Right, exactly. And, and you're exactly right. It's, it's the Mike Tyson syndrome. I remember I ordered as a – I must have been, like, 14 or 15 <laughs> I ordered I ordered um, Sports Illustrated, and you know they always do the gimmick. If you order this, you get this. They gave a Mike Tyson's greatest matches. It was his ten best matches. The whole being so that DVD was only minutes. ten minutes long. Like there's no yeah, way that DVD could have gone longer than an hour. <laughs> exactly, and it was forty minutes, and thirty of it was them talking about the the match that was about to happen, and thirty seconds of him just clobbering the guy. Yeah, exactly, and it's one of those things where it's like, I look at a wrestling show as when I go there, and that's why a lot of people sit there and they don't know about Ring of Honor, but, like, I've never been more entertained by a show than when I went to a Ring of Honor show. Like, most people will find it crazy. I've never been to a WWE show, ever. 
ever in my life, not really? even as a kid. My parents hated wrestling, or my grandparents hated wrestling. They didn't. They still don't want me to do so. Like, my grandmother, who is still alive, thinks that wrestling is, like, a white man's sport and says that, as a black man, I will never, ever be more than the token. And she, I was like, well, what about The Rock? The Rock's a token. He was the only black guy really getting over in a whole era with a bunch of white people at the time. And I'm clearly not that guy where I'm not thinking that racist connotation. But at the same time, I look at it like, well, I get the point. I get kind of the point that she's saying not a lot of black people get over it. And we talked about that earlier. But at the same time, it's just, it's entertaining. It is not supposed to, you're not supposed to kill somebody. You're supposed to be entertaining. You're supposed to put on a show for the fans. If you're not putting on a show, then why the show are the fans there? If they want to see violence, go watch MMA. If they want to see something boring, they can go home and watch The Real Housewives of Orange County. It's the same amount of drama. I want to see something action-packed. I want to see something with a lot of drama. That's why I watch Wrestling in 24. I agree, my friend. You make very valid points. And I, I I, anyone that says wrestling modern. isn't a male soap opera is a crazy person. Anyone that doesn't oh, think is. this is nothing more than a male soap opera is a crazy person. I'm sorry. And I'm not knocking any of the workers. They put their asses on the line. They're in phenomenal shape. They do hurt each other on accident sometimes. Like, those shops clearly aren't bullshit. It hurts to fall off a 15-foot-high ladder. It, you can't fake that, like JR said. You don't learn how to fall that high. But at the same time, we all know that, if I sit there and hit somebody with a steel chair in the face, I'm not actually trying to crack this person's skull wide open. Right. Exactly. exactly. Like, sustain and disbelief for a minute and have fun. And that's and why and I that's like the, PWS. The whole thing. And that's the, that's the whole matter. Your, your good wrestlers give you that. They even, you know, even the most hardcore of hardcore fans knows it's fake. Knows it well, not so much fake, predetermined. It's not fake. It is not fake by any means. Well, it is predetermined. Predetermined. That I, I, I apologize. I didn't mean it that way. I, I, it's a predetermined outcome, and every even your newest of new fans know that because there's enough people that hate wrestling that as soon as you say I watch wrestling, they go, oh, that stuff is, you know, phony, fake, whatever. And everybody knows that it's a predetermined outcome. It's when you get drawn in to see someone like like yourself, like the worst case scenario, and you really don't know what's going to happen, and you guys draw us in, whether we think we have a preconceived notion, okay, the faces are going to go over here, because the faces always go over on the iPay-per-view. When you get drawn in and you start you know, actually watching and you, you suspend your disbelief, that's the people that are most successful are the guys that you don't know what's going to happen next. Exactly, like like when I watch an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, I know he's not killing 50 people. I'm well aware of that fact. It'd make me an asshole, though, if I walked into the theater and was like, oh, this is all bullshit, this is fake, this is fake, this is stupid. Well, clearly we all know it's, we all know that this was a script, that something, someone planned this out from start to finish. So why are you getting upset? It's like watching a movie or a TV show. Don't get upset by something that you know isn't real. Exactly. And I always find it funny that the person that will cut down wrestling will talk to you about the last episode of Duck Dynasty. I'm not saying Duck Dynasty is a big exactly. show. 
Well, and and that's scripted. Everyone doesn't realize that show is scripted, too. They have writers on those shows. Every reality show has writers. I've watched the filming of reality shows before because I work in production. So I've seen them film reality shows, and they're like, okay, that wasn't a great line. Let's reshoot this and try saying it like this. You think the real Housewives of Orange County is real? You're dumb. Like, you're real dumb. That's what it is. I've said that the the only real reality show was the first season of Real World. Anything after that, they scripted to have a good guy, a bad guy, and all kinds of other generic characters in there. You always got absolutely. You got your bad guy, your good guy. You got your racist. You got your your, crazy guy. You know, your crazy. Then you got the one slutty chick. Then you got the one good girl. Then you got the really really slutty chick who everyone thinks is a good girl. So on and so forth. Exactly, and you always, and then you always have to throw it in with a a person that hates a, hates gay people and a gay person. You know, they always it's it's all meant to build conflict, just like pro wrestling. You know, you get you throw in a guy like I, I hate to say it, a guy like John Cena who supposedly stands for everything that's right in the world, does Make a Wish against a guy like Bray Wyatt who just wants to burn the world down, to quote the Joker. And, you know, you got that same dichotomy in anything. Any form of entertainment has that same that same mixture, whether it be comic books, whether it be pro wrestling, whether it be a reality TV show, a scripted TV show. Even even sporting events build up your, your heels and faces. I mean, they, exactly. ES, ESPN did everything it could to make LeBron James a heel. Exactly. And he was, he was a heel, but at the same time, they played it up like he was a bigger asshole than he really was. They made it seem like, oh, he's going away because of this, this, and this. No, he went away plain and simple. He wanted a championship. That's why he left. They didn't give him more money because Cleveland would have doubled that offer if they could have. And they would have. They would have found ways to double that offer to him. But, no, they wanted him to seem like the bad guy. They wanted him to seem like a heel so that way people would boo him. So even when he went over and won the championship, it was still like, oh, he's a fucking asshole, even though it's like, yo, he's not really a bad person. Like, he still does a ton of charity work in Cleveland. He still gives a lot of his money away to charity. He's still taking care of his family. Why is he such a bad person? Just because he left his city and you guys wanted him to be a bad guy, so you made him into one. Exactly, and the, and the, I mean it's the same thing. Just like, just like MMA. MMA has its good guys and bad guys too. Look at look at the way they build. Shale Sonnen. Oh yeah, Brock's another Shale prime. Oh, and look at uh, Shale Sonnen versus uh, Andrew St. Pete, or I'm sorry, uh, Andrew Silva from a couple, or Anderson Silva from a couple of years ago. They hyped it up where Shale was a bad guy because Shale said one thing in a post fight promo. He goes, "Yeah, I want to face Silva, and if I lose, you know, screw it, I'll retire." Like, he was just saying it kind of, like, off the cuff. Like, I know I can beat him if I get to face him again. But they hyped it up where, oh, well, Sona's this asshole who thinks he can beat the best in the world and da-da-da-da-da. And it's like, yo, he said one thing in the heat of the moment. Like, the guy from the Seahawks who said one thing in the heat of the moment, and people make him up to be the biggest heel possible because that's what we have to do with society. You need good guys. You need bad guys. You can't have a world full of tweeners or else the world would just be a crazy place. It sure wouldn't, and that's what people people don't realize when they look at it. You know, they say all this stuff, and and I hear it. And I'm sure you hear it more than me. 
because I'm I'm just a fan. I'm not out there doing shows and promoting myself as a wrestler. I do do a little wrestling YouTube show. I mean, but that's nowhere near the level of what you do where you're out in public and you're a public figure and you're on posters and all this stuff. I'm sure you hear it ten times more than I do, and I hear it as a fan. And it's very frustrating because just being someone that loves what happens in a wrestling ring, it's frustrating to hear, oh, that's fake, that's BS. I don't understand why people watch that. Now, you know what bothers me the most as a fan and as a worker? Like, as both a fan of wrestling and a worker in wrestling. The thing that makes me the maddest is where I work a shoot job. I don't normally talk about my shoot job because I don't give a shit about my shoot job. But whenever, like, I post up flyers all around my work, I hand them out to all my customers. I say, hey, come out and see the show if it's a local show. The same response I get from every single fan who I hand a flyer to is, oh, I have a friend that does mixed martial arts. So the fuck what? That's not the same thing. (laughs) Like, they're sitting there, like, and here's why I will always respect wrestlers like most people respect mixed martial arts. Wrestlers have to go out there. If you're on the highest level at the WWE, you're going out four to five nights a week working a match. And it might not hurt nearly as bad as getting punched in the face 50,000 times in a fight, but at the same time, after five days of that, it's the equivalent of being in one fight. So you got to look at it. That's 52 fights a year. Exactly. Oh, exactly. You, you can't tell me after 20 years that Macho Man's elbow didn't give him tremendous pain from dropping the elbow every night. You know, I mean, like, yeah, look at, Hulk Hulk, look at Hulk Hogan's back. Hulk Hogan's back yeah. is the prime example of he picked up Andre the Giant. You think that's some simple feat? Even with the jump, he still had to hold him there for a second and then flip him over for a slam. It's it's not like this is some easy thing that you can just walk in there and do and all of a sudden, oh, well, I'm going to be a wrestler. Let me just show up and all of a sudden I'm a wrestler. No. In MMA, I hate to say it, and I'm not knocking any MMA fighter because I have a bunch of friends that do fight in MMA, and they all say, yeah, what you do is a lot tougher because we can't do wrestling training. We can do MMA training because that's a lot of grappling. But wrestling training, you have to fall down, you have to bump, you have to bump, you have to bump. Then you have to grapple, then you have to bump, then you have to bump, then you have to bump, then you have to grapple, throw a punch, fake a punch, throw a punch, fake a punch, so on and so forth. Like most MMA guys, they don't like... Say again? So it's harder to be this quote-unquote fake fighter than it is to be the real fighter? I wouldn't say it's harder. I would just say it's harder to do it long-term, to be a wrestler than it is to be an MMA fighter long-term. And that's that's not even talking about the travel. I mean, it's got to be hard. Exactly. You're a single man with no children. Even for someone like you going to, you know, a different company, it's got to be hard. Well, and, like, that's the thing most people don't realize. Like, I will openly admit every single problem I have. I'm a very open person about my life personally and all that. I can barely afford to eat because I focus on wrestling so much. Like, I can barely afford to, like, if my friends are like, hey, we're going to go out to eat and grab a couple of beers, you want to join us? Now i got to save money because i got to go up to Philly to work a show for no money and then come back and hope that maybe, just maybe, I might get gas money for driving all the way up there. Like, it's, it's one of those things where, like, 
most people don't realize you're like, I'm going completely broke just trying to do this business. I'm on the verge of homelessness because I want wrestling so freaking much. It's the only thing in my life that I really want. Like, I don't care about a wife. I don't care about having kids. I don't care about any of that. I want wrestling. And I'm not knocking people that want to have a wife and that want to have a kid and that want to do something outside of wrestling. Like, like uh, Chris Jericho and Vampiro did a shoot interview. Or, I'm sorry, Vampiro did a shoot interview, and he's talking about Chris Jericho, and he goes, yeah, Jericho one time told me that anyone that doesn't focus on wrestling is a complete asshole and that they should only focus on wrestling and da-da-da-da-da. Yet Chris Jericho joined Fozzie and did all this other stuff and was one of those people that became an international figure. And it's like, look, I understand guys have other things they want to focus on, but me personally, just for me right now, wrestling is the only thing I need. I don't have any idea what I'm – I mean, I have an idea what I'm going to do past wrestling, but I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking about solely what's going on, how I can make it to Ring of Honor, how I can make it to TNA, how I can make it to Dragon Gate, PWG – all these other promotions. That's my focus in life right now. I'm not worried about if I ever have a wife or kids. I don't care about my legacy. I care if one day, at the end of the day, I get that Hall of Fame ring. That's what I want. And I want Ethan and I want Eli right next to me getting their rings as well. And see, that's what I think wrestling is lacking nowadays is that kind of passion. And I'm not talking about on the indies, because I see it all the time when I'm at PWS, how passionate you guys are. I'm talking about, like, I guess when you get to the big dance, it just becomes, you know, a paycheck. And I think that's just, you know, the nature of the beast, unfortunately. But it's so refreshing to hear someone say things which, like you just said and be that passionate about wrestling. Well, I, and that's the thing, like, and Zane taught me that, because, like, the best thing Zane has ever said to me, and this was at one of the last shows we worked, we're sitting there planning out the match, and we're sitting there planning out the match, and, and like, they're, and, Zane's, and someone said to Zane, they're like, you're not worried about getting pinned or something? And Zane goes, it's not called Zane and Caleb go over the world. It's called Zane and Caleb put over the world, because wrestling is about putting other people over. Like, and I, I'm actually upset with myself for how much I talked about myself in this interview, but this is my first real interview where people are asking me about me and what I want to do with wrestling. Normally, all my interviews, I'm putting over Ethan, I'm putting over Eli, I'm putting over Zane, I'm putting over Caleb, I'm putting over Chase, I'm putting over Cedric, all those guys, because I want them to succeed, because I hope one day they'll return the favor when they're those top dogs. They can sit there and go, hey, no, Tommy's a good guy. We want him in the locker room, so on and so forth. Like, there's a local guy you might have interacted with named Justin Fireball. He's a laughing stock in, in North Carolina. He is the running joke of almost every independent locker room in North Carolina. I don't make fun of him because I think Justin's a great guy. He's a good person to have backstage, and he bumps his ass off and sells his ass off for people. He promotes shows. He sits there. If you hit him with the clothesline, he's going to make it look like God came down and slapped you in the face himself and sell it like that. And I respect the hell out of him because of that, because he's a good guy to have backstage. He's a good guy in the ring. 
just like Ethan and Eli. I respect them because they're good guys in the ring. I mean, yeah, clearly they're heels in the ring, but they're, they keep each other safe. They keep their opponents safe. And at the same time, backstage, if you've ever met anyone that has talked to Ethan or Eli, they'll tell you the same thing. Ethan acts like he's done 50 rails of cocaine right before you met him, even though he hasn't because Ethan doesn't yeah. do drugs. And Eli is the most humble, nicest person you will ever meet. And it's true because both of them, like, Ethan's really interjecting. It's so great to meet you. I love being here. I'm so happy to see you. Hey, welcome back. It's good to see you again. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Eli's like, hey, guys, like, I'm just happy to be here. I'm happy that you're here. I'm happy that we're here together. I'm happy that we're hanging out, stuff like that. And that's how I look at it where it's like, if you're not happy to be here, if you're not having fun, why are you here? Joey Ryan said, and I hate the, I'm not knocking Joey Ryan because I love Joey Ryan personally and professionally. I love his work, and I know the guy as a person. He's a great guy. But I asked him when I first met him, I was like, how long have you been doing this? And he's like, you want the honest answer? It's too long. I, I, I hate, I kind of, I don't hate this business, but I've gotten to the point where I'm, more of this business isn't what it once was. And I don't ever want to be that guy, and I'm not knocking him because I understand it. I've had those times after the last PWX show. I thought that my work was so horrible that I wanted to legitimately stop working because I was like, oh, that was horrible. I'm not happy. The weekend was kind of off. Everyone was kind of like the last show. Everyone's kind of at each other's throats because we're all off because of daylight savings time. We're all a little bit more tired. Right. We're all a little bit hungry. It's day three. We're like, oh, okay. So everyone's kind of like nitpicking at each other. And that does happen, but at the same time, you have to look at the big picture. In 20 years, I, if I do ever get married and have kids, I want to be able to say, I fed my wife and kids through this business. The reason why my kids can go to college, the reason why my wife can go shopping for a living instead of sitting or instead of going to work is because of wrestling. That's what I want. Well, for the record, um, you didn't have a bad performance at Ziggy's. Well, what, like, I look at it differently from you guys. Like, and it's one of the things I didn't realize until recently that a buddy of mine, like a personal friend of mine that's not involved in wrestling, but it's a big wrestling mark, told me. And he goes, he goes, yeah, man, you look at wrestling different from what I do. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, because you're no longer just a fan. Right. And like I like I understood it, but at the same time, it was one of those things where it completely blew my mind because I was like, "Holy shit!" Like he's one hundred percent right. I can't look at the wrestling business the same way he can because I actually know the business. And most people don't realize wrestling isn't like every other business. Wrestling is a whole another monster. Like not just the actual money aspect of it, but the backstage aspect. Everything about wrestling is completely different from real life. Like, your, your regular shoot job, the things I do at my shoot job, if I tried them in a wrestling ring or if I tried them backstage at a wrestling show, they would shit-cam me and blackball me. And things that I tried backstage at a wrestling show that I do at my shoot job would get me fired from my shoot job in a heartbeat. It's right. a whole other business. And that's a well, very – and I hate to say it, like, because I'm, I'm an honest person, but that's a very scary fact. It's a very scary fact to think of that, like, one day – someone can hate you for something that you say and get you fired from your dream. Right. And it's very, you know, cutthroat, I guess, and backstabbing can be at times. So I guess you do really have to make sure that, you know, you don't burn that bridge because you might have to run back across it one day, you know? Exactly. 
and not all of us are CM Punk where we can sit there and quote-unquote blow up bridges while we're still on them. Not all of us have that talent. I know for a fact I don't have that talent. I don't have that charisma. But at the same time, I'm sure of myself, and I'm just genuinely a happy human being. Like, I'm just happy to be alive. So why would I want to burn bridges in wrestling? Well, I mean, that doesn't make any sense to me personally. I'm sorry, I mean, yeah, you, there are you... promoters that... Right. There are promoters that won't book me purely because of, like, like I'll sit there and I'll turn down another show to work PWX, or I'll turn down a show to go up to ROH and set up the ring with them. And they're like, oh, well, he turned us down, so we're going to blackball him. And it's like, guys, I'm not blackballing you because I don't like you. I'm doing it because I'm trying to advance myself. I'm trying to make myself a better performer. I'm not worried about you. I'm worried about these fans and I want these fans to sit there and see what I do. And I want them to sit there and boo me and I want them to hate me with all their might. And then whenever they see me out the ring, like, at shows, you've seen it, Laura. You've even done this with the fans. I will walk out. You guys will boo the hell out of me. And then I cut a promo still booing. Then the the match starts. You guys start cheering for us whenever we do something. It's like... (laughs) All right, that means we, I guess we're doing something okay. I mean, like the whole ISIS thing is purely get you fans to hate the shit out of us. We want ISIS to work because we know all of you hate sports entertainment. We know you don't want exactly. to see sports entertainment. So that's why we did ISIS because we were like, it's the one thing that will make all of you guys boo us. And the crazy part was it got over when we tried to literally rip you guys a new one. You guys yeah. said, no, we you like guys it. are doing something we've seen before. We like it. So it, that's why this business is so crazy. When you do something to make somebody angry, they love you for it. Well, I think what is part of the charm for worst-case scenario for me is the fact that it seems as though, and it's Ethan especially, doesn't take himself too seriously. Um, oh, we don't. The dancing, we genuinely the dancing don't. in the ring, you know, and I think that's what I like about it. And plus the fact that, you, you know, they're just good. They're just that crazy good. And it's, you know, I'm new to PWX. I just started going to shows in January. Uh, just saw my first pay-per-view in November. So I'm not, you know, I, I, I'm not familiar with you guys like, you know, some people have been supporting, you know, even PWX when it was owned by someone else. So for me, this is a breath of fresh air as opposed to what we see on Mondays and Thursday nights, because you guys remind me of the the Crockett stuff that I grew up on. And I told Caleb when he was on the show as well that, you know, you guys really do wrestle. I mean, there's storyline there, too, and you got to have storyline because it's wrestling. you got to have a storyline, even if it's, you know... And that's like the thing. Most people don't realize, like, what I'm there for is storyline. That's what ROH didn't or doesn't really see is they're like... They're like, well, we don't really use managers because we want to focus on wrestling. And I'm like, well, I get that. But once again, nobody just wants to see two dudes go out there and beat the shit out of each other without telling a story. No one wants to see two good guys hurt each other. That's MMA, once again. People want to see bad guy versus good guy, and they want to see bad lose in the end. Exactly. And there's got to be a reason. You bring up a good thing mentioning ROH. Uh, look at a guy like Roderick Strong, who I think everybody here agrees is one of the best wrestlers in the world. But look at, he didn't really get over to the point where he could be world champion till he added Truth Martini into his act. Now, since exactly. he's developed more of his own personality, but, you know, they, 
they need to look at something like that. I mean, it easily you could easily take someone like an Andrew Everett or anybody on their roster that's just coming up, heck, even Hanson, and you could add something to them to make them into that next level where they're the next Tommaso Ciampa or Kevin Steen or Roderick Strong or whoever, you know, it may be because those guys aren't going to stay there long. We all know that, you know, their goal is not to be – the ultimate goal for everybody in wrestling is to be in the WWE. It's the place you make the most money. If it's not your goal, and, and, then why are you in the And business? I want to stop you right there and I want because I'm agreeing with you 100%. If your goal is not to make it to the WWE and you're working in wrestling – I don't know what you're doing in this business because there's, there's no point in doing this if you don't want to make it to the top. I mean, I get for the whole love of it and everything because I am still in it for the love. Like I said, I'm going homeless just trying to make it to shows. But at the same time, I'm not sitting there going homeless to work in somebody's backyard. I'm going, I'm going right. homeless so I can sit there and buy gas to go all the way up to Ohio and drive my car up to Ohio, then drive back to North Carolina and then go to my actual shoot job the next day. Or if not, like one example, I went to Philly for an ROH show, came back that afternoon I went back to work. Like I got back into Charlotte, went home, took a shower, got back in my car and went to work. Wow. Because I want... Like, that's how much I want this. That's how much I want to make it to the WWE. And there's guys that are like, oh, we're happy just being a big star in North Carolina. I'm sorry. I'm not happy just working in North Carolina. I want to work the country. I want to go on tour all across the United States. And people are like, well, what about the world? No, because people outside of America don't speak English. I can't cut a promo in Japan and get heat. It's not going to work that way. (laughs) It's It's the same as, like, as a band, do you want to be a band that plays local bars or do you want to be ACDC and sell 100 million albums and tour the world? Of course, everybody exactly. says, yeah, I got in the, I got in the band because I love the music. You don't get in the music because you, you hate it, but obviously everybody would much rather be ACDC than your local garage band that's covering ACDC. Exactly. Like, I, I got in this. I did not get in this for the money but I did get in this for the point where I want this to be my career and a way to feed my family. Like, if that makes any sense. It's not about the money, but at the same time, it's always about the money. Right. Like, even if they had told me, yeah, even if they had told me when I was a kid, as a wrestler, at the very most, even if you make it to the top star, you're only going to make a million. And I'm not saying only a million a year, like it's some small amount, but I'm saying it like, I would think that they'd make like $10 million a year easily. But if you're only going to make a million a year at the most, that's still enough to feed my family. That's still enough for me to sit there and go, okay, I can have a decent life off of this money. Like even the lowest level stars get paid enough to where they don't have to work a shoot job. They can sit there and say, what do you do to make your living? I wrestle. That's what I do. I think you, what you're saying is it's security. It's about the money, yes, but it's about security as well. You want to be secure and to the point where you don't, like you said, you don't have to work a shoot job. You know, you can be a professional wrestler full time. Exactly. And like most people don't realize, like, the more you do this, the more you're making money from this, and like I said, it's not about the money, but it is, the more money you make from this, the more your character comes to life because you're sitting there, you're not having to worry about other things, because you're like, well, if the money's taken care of, I can focus on the character that will make me more money. 
Right. You can do and that's what I do. I try to work other shows so I can make more money and focus more on my character. The less I work in my shoe job means the more I'm working on the road. And the more I'm working on the road, the better my character will be. Makes exactly. Sense. And, 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 you know, look at it, a guy that you mentioned, uh, CM Punk. Of course he was a huge star in the indies, but look at the difference between even his last year in Ring of Honor to now when, I mean, his last latest run in WWE. He had more money. He was able to keep a more a better physique going, which improved his product. He was able, you know, to do the things that he wanted to do, become more secure, and make it to be where he's a huge star. And it's the same thing, whether it be, you know, you can you have better nutrition, whether you have more money to buy better gear, more people that can help you work on it. If you don't want to be at the top, I mean, it's like it's like a program designer. If you're a program designer... You don't want to sit here and work from your home. You want to work for Apple. You want to work for IBM. You want to work for Microsoft. You want to get exactly. to the top of that profession. If you're an actor, you want an Academy Award. Yeah, it's nice to be in that movie that everybody loves that made $500. That's awesome. But you, I mean, I can guarantee you if you go to that, that actor that's in the independent movies and you said to them, you know, you could have been in Titanic, they're going to say, I'd rather be in Titanic because... It touches more people. It goes to a wider base. More people see what you're doing. It brings it out so you can do the other things that you love and do stuff like that. Just like if you were to make it to the WWE, you would bring the comic comics to the WWE. Exactly. And like, and my thing is, I also look at it like this. And once again, like I said, I'm not trying to toot my own horn in any way, but I am genuinely a decent human being outside of wrestling. My goal for when I make it to the WWE is to break John Cena's record for Make-A-Wishes. Like, that is legitimately my goal because I want to make the world a better place in the long run. I want my tombstone to read he made the world a better place just by being in it. And I don't want it to be bullshit. I want people to go, man, he did a lot of charity work when he made it. Because, like, I was raised poor. I was born poor. I will forever be poor. Even if I had a million dollars in the bank right now, I would still be poor as shit, in my opinion. It's one of those things where, like, I've always been poor, so I've always felt the sympathy of, hey, let's make this world a better place for those that aren't as fortunate as me. Like, I I consider myself extremely fortunate. Even though my situation is shitty, I'm doing a lot better than most fucking people on the planet where they're like, oh, well, we don't know what we're going to do. We're working a dead-end job, and we're broke. At least I know what I want to do. Like, that's, that's my logic bio, where I just want to make this world a better place. So if I can make it to that WWE level, that's millions upon millions upon millions of people who will sit there and hear my message. And I don't mean in the ring. I mean my tweets, my Facebook posts. They'll sit there and go, well, hey, this guy is kind of talking something that we kind of agree with, and he might not be in politics, but at the same time, I kind of have political ambitions, and I think that what he's saying is right. Why don't I run on this platform of, like, helping out those less fortunate than us? Like, I'm a, I'm a, I wouldn't say a devout Christian, but I do believe in God, and I believe that God wants us to take care of those who were who can't take care of themselves. Like, I used to work in a home for the mentally disabled, not because of the money, because the money was shitty. But I did it because I was like, well, these people can't help themselves, so why can't I help them a little bit? You are just awesome, Tommy. I'm telling you what. I just, I'm, 
you're just awesome. I, 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 I'm actually speechless after what you just said. I really am just speechless because I, I believe if anybody is going to make the world a better place, it's going to be you. Probably, it's probably not going to be me. But at the same time, I hope that it is. Like, all those people that are like, I don't want to be the person that influences the world. I want to be the person that influences the person that influences the world. No, that's bullshit. That's egotism. If you really want to influence the world, you'll get off your ass and you'll do it yourself. You're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Like, it, it's, just, it's just dumb to think, oh, maybe I can talk to one person and that one person can talk to a bunch of other people. No. If you want it, go out and get it. It's not going to be easy. It never was easy. Like, I found out very quickly that wrestling wasn't going to be easy. You know, watching, if you watch the WWE DVDs, like, the prime example is the Edge one, where uh, his most recent one, uh, I can't remember, uh, The Life and Times of Edge or whatever it was called, where mm-hmm. they, did the, they did the documentary with him, and he's like, yeah, I'm living out of my car, eating bread and ramen every freaking night. And I was like, I don't think I can do that at the same time. Like, if I want this bad enough, I guess I'm going to have to do that. Like, I'm going to have to eat bread and ramen every night just to survive if I want to make it to that level where I can sit there and make good money and sit there and help out people and sit there and go on tour and see the world for absolutely free and then get paid on top of it. True. And it's just, True. Like I said, this business is full of a lot of shady people but it's filled with a lot of good guys who think the same way that I think. A lot of good guys and girls who think the same way that I think, who just want wrestling to be a good, happy place. And we want the locker room to be. We understand that there's always going to be competition. We understand that there's always going to be cutthroatness. But at the same time, why not cut down a little bit less on it? Why not try to make wrestling a happier place? Why not try to make these fans happy that they show up to shows? You think it? You think I'm happy when I see 150 people at a PWX show? No, I'm genuinely pissed the hell off because I think our product is good enough that there should be 500 people in the seats easily. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think you're exactly right. And it, it makes me mad, too, because I'm thinking, you got all these people that are complaining about WWE but won't darken the door at an indie event. And I'm like, what are you doing? Why aren't you here? Oh, if you only, know? You knew, only you knew how many people who I know that are wrestling fans who have literally watched my work, like at my shoot job, at least once a week, someone comes up to me and goes, hey, you're that guy from TV. And I'm like, yeah, I am. Well, what are you doing here? Well, I got 